Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Welcome to episode 184. You hear that? It's 184. There is no and, Brian, or Kevin, uh, Paul Carlson. I appreciate your efforts in trying to educate Brian on how to pronounce numbers. Episode 184, Kids of Slam Fire Radio for December 9th, 2016. I am one of your hosts, Trevor, the anal retentive OCD child, the Frelate. Wow, that's quite the intro. That's, uh, yeah, um, I'm Matthew and just very slightly confused. Which part? Oh, about who I am, mostly. Has nothing to do with your rant, no. Okay. You think everything's about you. No, well, it's just my rants aren't confusing. I mean, right. well, they kind of are. I mean, I wasn't part of that, you know, whole Facebook conversation, so I, I didn't know what. It was, it was a Facebook conversation. It was a hateful message on a podcast, hurtful even. <laughs> so, But we're fine. That's we're hurtful. That's very hurtful. Yes, Toner, that is hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> they don't I'm, even know. Uh, Angel, along for the ride, Michelle. <laughs> yep, and I'm Kelly. <laughs> so, Kelly, Kelly, would you like to discuss this foolish bet that you got suckered into making, and or See, where? Yeah. Are we, uh, when are we going to discuss this? Oh, I think now is a perfect time. Now is okay. a good time. All right. Well, we're already off the rails anyway. So you, we, look, there's no sense in even attempting to recover from this. So let's just let's just flow with it and see where we end up. Okay. So Kelly said she wasn't going to shave her legs. And I said, Kelly, if you shave your legs... No, 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 no. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winter's, yeah, yeah. Winter's coming. Right. And I don't know how we got to that point. And I said, well, winter's coming. I'm not going to shave my legs. And I and said, it was like, embrace the Sasquatch or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Free long johns. <laughs> and, I, and I'm opposed to this so much so that I said, I will, look, I will pay you to shave your legs. <laughs> and you said... I will pay. Uh, no, you said you would shave your legs. No, no. For I said to you, I will pay you if you shave your legs. And your reply oh, to that I, was, I'd pay you to shave your legs. I'd buy you a um, Hunter X twenty two Magpul stock for your new ten twenty two, and you said sold. <laughs> Here we are. I got razor in hand and, <laughs> and no ten twenty two stock. What the I hell? Said crap. Because <laughs> most people, you know, most people have dignity. And then I forgot, you're Trevor. Right. And and not only <laughs> do I have to shave my legs, I mm-hmm. said, oh, yeah, and I'll, we'll do it live on the show. Right. Well, 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 so we need to set this up. And maybe this is a patreon thing. I don't know. We have a live oh, show. Oh, no, no. We can't. No, we, no, we, can't we can't subject our Patreonies to that. This right. is something that we – see, we want them to stay Patreoners. We don't want right. to drive them away. This is for the regular folk who, you know. So if we're going to offend people, we're not <laughs> We might as well offend everybody. For free. Right? For free, <laughs> of course. So, right. And, so, and, and I, you were away for, for this part of the yeah. conversation, I think, but we're pretty sure this should be one of those live video yep. shows that we do. Remember? I yeah. said I have a plan. Yeah. Well, here's the plan. All right. I'm listening. Okay. We haven't done an, a live show for a while. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do a live show? 
about Christmas. We've already asked some of our and some of our listeners. Because what's more festive than Trevor shaving his, shaving legs. his legs? Because that that really puts the jingle back in the bells. But hey, you know what? I've also decided that if I'm buying you a stock, right, and you're shaving your legs, what? Why don't we do it as a Christmas thing? Do it live and see if maybe we can raise some money for somebody to have some Christmas, like you know. A Besides charity. Trevor, who's getting a stock? Why do we always have to do good for other people? Now <laughs> we're going to raise some money and donate it to somebody who's less fortunate than us and help give them a brighter Christmas. Right, Weird. like Christmas presents for mm. Christmas presents for kids, and you know, like turkey for dinner and all that. Maybe Ooh, you know, turkey. like Ronald McDonald House, where people are, you know there because their child's in I like that in the hospital and yeah so so we'll bang out the details at some point but yeah I'm I'm thinking live show is in the near future definitely before Christmas well do I get a stock out of this you you, well you don't get a say in it that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) you'll feel great after raising all that money for charity though so and you'll feel great after razoring all of your legs so both the stock it's going to be black right well, if you have a spray can of, you know, oh, I'm be black. <laughs> Listen, I here's the thing. I have uh, communicated with somebody that uh, I shop at with regularly, and they're getting them in. So I'm trying to arrange it, and he says all kinds of colors are coming in. But now, there's only one color, and that's black. Well, if it's flat mm, darker, absence. then it might be black darker. <laughs> but I will not get you a pink one because I'm not that mean. Aww, you're too all kind. Right. Maybe. I'm gonna try for black. All right. Is there All right. A, a well, Trevor, you could stipulate. Paint? I mean, it's your legs, right? Well, this is what I'm saying. That's right? the like, thing. I, you you can just say, look, if it's not black, I'm not doing it. Right. And I think I need the stock up front. I need some mm. kind of insurances because once my legs are are shaved, what's to stop you from stiffing me on the stock? Well, what's to stop you from I growing did. your hair back? Hey. <laughs> Neat. Hey. I will. <laughs> you know what? I I'm a woman of my words. I'll get it for you. And I'll prove that I've gotten it for you. All right. I trust you. And that was not his first mistake. <laughs> which is not something I've ever said to a woman before. <laughs> so, all right. There there you go, listeners. That's the latest shenanigans that we're up to. And keep in mind, there's also going to be an SKS fundraiser going on as well in the, in the new year. That's so. at the charity shoot, right? Yeah, well, we're going to give it away at the cherry shoot, but we'll sell the raffle tickets on oh, it and okay, right. decide who gets it before that. Right. So, yeah, and I have to shoot an SKS while wearing a dress. Hey. and Stranger yeah. things have happened. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. you gotta, you got to just fix your mic there just a little bit, Trev. Just pull it up just a touch. You're breathing into it just a smidge. Okay. Is it better now? It is. Yeah. Super. That pleases me. Uh, all right. Are we ready to carry on? I, th- I think so. Yeah. Yeah, All right. We're talking about leg shaving? Yeah. Nope. That's the <laughs> part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> now it's about guns. McClatch, okay. we, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been doing some stuff, having some fun, shooting some guns, going to the range, making some noise. Uh, I finished up the Volkwartzen video. Uh, listeners may remember that Matt Doucette uh, l- donated his uh, his Volkwartzen infusion. And, and by donate, I mean gave to me permanently, right? Yep. I'm, yep. <laughs> kidding. 
Um, yeah, I'm done with it though, Matt. So if you want to get a hold of me again and uh, we can meet in town, I can give you your rifle back. Or better yet, let's go to the range and shoot it because that would be way more fun. So let me know when you're free to go to the range and we'll go and we'll shoot that and we'll have some fun. So yeah, I finished shooting that video and got it edited and put together and it's up on YouTube now. So I think I shared it on the Slamfire Facebook page so listeners can go check that out there if they're so inclined. And um, I did some more PAR shooting. Where were we with the Sega? Sega? Saga? Sega? Last week, you had gone out and did the testing at my range. I weren't impressed and was going to um, load up some more test loads and try again. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I was at... It was bad last time. Yeah, it was terrible. Okay. So, um, we are we, we definitely got some noticeable improvement. I loaded up some hand loads, which incidentally, I, I reread the note that came with it from Troy when they sent it back and they said, don't shoot steel cased ammo, don't shoot hand loads, and don't shoot American Eagle. <laughs> so I reread this after having been to the gun store and picked up some steel cased ammo and some American <laughs> Eagle, and I've been shooting hand loads through it ever since I got it back. So there's that. Um, but however, the hand loads that I tried through it after I came back from the range, from Trevor's, I loaded up some 27 grain uh, Varget behind 55 uh, VMAX projectile, and I got a .8 MOA group at 100 yards. So some sort of magic voodoo sort of all came together in some sort of glorious combination of harmonics and velocities and I don't know what, but angels danced and the heavens opened and light streamed down and my rifle shoots relatively accurately with that load. Yeah, well, so, I, was, I, was, I was telling you guys that the, the 308 par that, uh, uh, that I was shooting there, it was inaccurate with more types of ammo than it was accurate. And it's just this one box that we tried of factory ammo that was excellent. But uh, it was really, it's a, it's a picky rifle. They, they really are. And I think it has something to do with the fact that the barrel isn't uh, heavy. It's just sort of a standard uh, profile size. But it has a decently weighted muzzle device on it. It comes from the factory with a, a pretty hefty muzzle brake. I am not one for muzzle brakes. I do not like them at all. Uh, mo- mostly because... I, when I'm out hunting, I don't want to wear ear protection. So I don't want to blow my eardrums out with a muzzle brake. So I replaced it with, uh, uh, again, a fairly decent sized uh, flash hider. It has to be fairly decent size. It has to be at least two inches long. Otherwise, it, uh, it's no longer a non-restricted firearm because the, the overall length is shorter if you, if you take the muzzle brake off and put, replace it with something that's not at least two inches long. So anyway, I, I, I did replace it. And I'm thinking that the lighter profile or the normal, the normal profile and then that big weight on the end, you're going to get some pretty funny whips going on, some pretty funky harmonics whenever you shoot it. And I think that is why you'll, you really have to dial it in and find that exact load that it likes. Otherwise, it's just going to whip the bullets all over the place. Does that seem to make sense to anybody? Yeah, yeah. I mean, something something uh, is uh, is causing inconsistency with, with different ammo. But I mean, like like... The thing to do here is to find what ammo it likes, and then just use that ammo. And that's that's what I've done. Um, you know, I'm going to be loading up a bunch more of this 27 grain uh, load that uh, I had developed. And today, 
like I said, I had picked up some uh, American Eagle and some MFS brass case or er, uh, steel case ammo, and I took it out today just for fun because I wanted to find something off the shelf that I could at least get two MOA with, just so that I didn't have to rely on my hand loads if I wanted to go out in a gravel pit and just plink and have some fun with some cheap ammo without worrying too much about the cost and, and the effort of putting it all together. So both the American Eagle and the MFS actually shot under two MOA. Uh, the American Eagle edged it out, so that's the stuff that I'll shoot through it whenever I'm just out plinking and just want to kind of blow off some some ammo without uh, wasting my hand loads. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why the the inconsistency is there with so many different types of ammo. But then you just happen to find those right ones, and it just it really shrinks those groups down, and it really becomes a real joy to shoot. It is so much fun to shoot. Uh, I, both times that I've been out to the range this week. Or all three times, I guess. I always made sure I saved some ammo to just kind of blast off, you know, not from the bench, just standing up and shooting it like I would be out in the woods or, you know, if I was hunting or, or whatever, just because that's the kind of gun it is. It's not a bench gun. It's not supposed to be shot from the bench. It's a, it's a get-up-and-go kind of running-through-the-woods kind of gun. So uh, I definitely made sure I experienced some of that while I was at the range. It was a lot of fun. I'm really, really liking this rifle. Um, it's amazing how you can absolutely detest a gun just because it won't do one thing right and then as soon as you fix it it's all of a sudden it's like oh this is my favorite gun ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's definitely staying in the truck with me now uh it's my new truck gun it'll be in there probably along with a 22 as well because i like to have a 22 with me wherever i go but uh yeah it's uh it's it's gonna be a lot of fun to play with in the next coming months for sure uh other than yay it's fixed yay yay other than that uh, I got a new staple gun because, you know, it's the small things in life. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> I bought a staple gun last year and it broke within a couple of months of using it. it just a piece of garbage. And then I got another one and it wouldn't reset. So you staple and then you let go and it just won't reset. You can't get the second staple to activate or it just wouldn't fire. Like it was just a piece of garbage. So I it, left it at it, the range. Sounds like the high point of staplers. It kind of is. It was polymer, too. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I went back to Canadian Tire tonight, pick up a new one, and I just wanted a standard run-of-your-mill, all-steel, just your everyday mom-pop, what your grandpa's got in the back shed staple gun, because those things seem to be reliable and they seem to work. And they didn't have any of those in stock. They had nothing like that. All they had were these weird, funky, forward stapling crap and if you guys are wondering why I'm going on about staple guns, it's because we use them a lot in IPSC. Everybody should really have their own staple gun if you're shooting IPSC to help put up targets. But anyway, I found one. It's it's a compact size, but it still shoots full-size staples, the T-50s. That's sort of the holy grail, I think. So I'm, I'm excited to fire that thing up this summer whenever we get IPSC shooting again. But yeah, that is uh, that's that was my week. Trevor. I guess it's your awesome. turn. Yeah. Um, I did, uh, I continued with the brass prep. I had been, uh, I talked about this many months ago about pulling 2000 rounds of, uh, 223 because I thought I had put too much powder in the cases. Well, um, I continued to pull them not because of the powder, but because I realized that, um, the brass wasn't trimmed correctly and I had brass that was very different lengths throughout. So the OCD will not abide that. So I pulled it all and then sorted it by what was the correct length or longer and what was 
too short. So what's too short? Well, I'll get full on three size. Then it'll get sorted again by what's the correct length that needs to be trimmed and what's too short. What's too short will get tossed because I want all my brass to be the same length because OCD and what's too short will just get thrown in the brass recycling bucket. So there's that project that was going on. And then Snuffleupagus came over with his 1022 and he has a very cool 1022. It's some oh, target tactical, I think is the model. It's all black naturally. It has a Hogue stock, which has this real cool, bumpy, rubbery texture on it. And the coolest bull barrel that I've seen on a 22 yet. It's 18 and a half inches, maybe. Could be even shorter. I'm not sure. It's got like this real cool spiral type pattern on the outside. Beautiful. Uh, all stock, though, as far as the internals are concerned, which is a problem for me. When I get mine, there's going to be some serious modification going on. What is this? No uh, bolt bolt lock open thing and what is this no insert a mag and snap the bolt and let it go like my 597 has those features right out of the box and a 1022 you, doesn't you can't get a last shot bolt hold open and i'm lying because you can but it's not worth it because you have to have special mags for it to work but really? the slingshot mod is doable no problem. The good news okay. is about the last shot bolt hold open, 1022s can be dry fired to your heart's content. You won't yeah. damage it by dropping the hammer on an empty chamber. So whenever you run out, you just get a click at the end, then you know you're empty and you put a new mag in and you charge it. Yeah. See, with my Remington 597, which I had out at the range on Saturday, it was Muffin and Snuffleupagus and I did some shooting. After we mounted his scope, then we went to the range to, to zero it. And uh, I hadn't checked to zero on my 597 in a while and i'm glad i brought it out because the this this i was finally convinced after this range trip to move the scope forward one notch on the rail because the eye relief just wasn't happening in my natural head position so um but yeah the 597 vtr remington that i have is kind of their tactical version of the remington 597 semi-auto <laughs> The bolt locks locks back on an empty mag, but only on the factory aluminum mag. Those plastic 30-round mags that you can get aren't very reliable, and it'll lock open on some and not on others. And I can see a, a, a ping mark from the firing pin on the chamber, which isn't cool. Eventually, that could run and cause some problems maybe with misfires. Yep, definitely. Now, yeah, I'd have to look at it, but it may be possible to just shorten your firing pin just a touch to stop mm -hmm. that from happening but it depends on how it's mounted in there you might not be able to it might just that's just going to yeah. happen so well you did stretch one for me once so i'm sure that if you can stretch firing pins you can you can shorten them so yep you know, i do you remember did. that i don't remember how i did that now but i do remember stretching the firing <laughs> pin for you because you were getting uh light primer yeah. strikes right yeah it was it was the 22 conversion kit for an ar that filthy gave me and it wasn't quite working right, and you fixed it, and I asked you what you did, and with a straight face, you said I stretched the firing pin, and I asked no more questions. Because <laughs> it worked. So, yep. So uh, I think also it's time that I take the M Carbo spring kit out of my 597 because the same thing is happening to me that was happening to you in your 795. Too many weak primer strikes because the hammer spring is too light in order to lighten the trigger. I mean, the trigger is right. amazing. It's got a Volkortz and hammer. And an M Carbo spring kit, and the trigger is just fantastic. It's so short and so light, and the reset's nice. But out of a 30 round mag, I'm probably getting three to five duds. Yeah, that's too and, much. Uh, what yeah. I did is I, I left all of the M Carbo springs in 
except for the hammer spring. So I just replaced that back with the factory and my light primer strikes went away. And it wasn't the light, you know, it wasn't as light as it was, the trigger wasn't as light as it was before, but it was still lighter than factory. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's still an option. You can get your, your heavy hit back, but uh, you're going to get just a little bit heavier trigger. Yeah, there's not as many springs in the Remington as there is in the Marlin. Not nowhere near. I think there's only one spring that comes in the Amcarbo kit, and it's the hammer spring. Oh, well, in that case, they, yeah, <laughs> you're just yeah. gonna have to live with it. Well, it wasn't. Trigger. It wasn't bad anyway. It was no, it never wasn't. as heavy. No, no, it was never as heavy as the 795. So no, the 795 triggers are atrocious out of the box. But yeah. And then speaking of triggers, my um, Tanfoglio limited custom. No. Not my limited custom. That thing is amazing. My Tanfoglio Stock 3 Extreme. I believe I've complained about the trigger on here before. The Stock 3 is a double-action, single-action gun. So in, in IPSC and production division, the first shot has to be fired in double-action, and then, of course, the gun becomes a uh, single-action, like your SIGs or your Berettas or your CZ-75s. Well, the double-action, out of the box, it comes with a 15-pound mainspring, and it was just way too heavy. So I had some 13-pound wolf springs here, so I installed one of those. I finally got the gun apart. First first of all, I had never disassembled a Tanfoglio, let alone a double-action Tanfoglio. Not as bad as I thought, to be perfectly honest. Um, I got everything apart by myself and was able to reassemble everything by myself, but I did look up a video on how to reinstall the trigger return spring. Matt Lorette told me how to reinstall the um, sear spring. Um, but I, so just with his instruction, well, his instructions were pliers are your friend. You know, those pliers are your friend. So he was right. They were my friend. That being said, it still took about 15 minutes to reassemble the sear cage. Now I know it was my first time, but I mean, Matt and Mo have, have ripped these sear cages apart so many times that they can do it by themselves at a match. And um, I've heard Sean Hansen say, it takes three hands and it kind of does. Like I was balancing my knuckle and I had my elbow in there and the pliers and the, um, uh, the, uh, tweezers in my teeth. It was, it was an adventure, but I got it back together. Um, polished the trigger bar, polished the sear and the hammer very, 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 very lightly. I don't want to have the gun go full auto or anything silly happen. I'm not a gunsmith. I don't have the proper files or the tools. Like, I mean, when it comes to doing 1911 triggers, Andy Shan has this special jig that he puts the sear in and he uses these magnifying glasses and the whole nine yards, right? I'm Just not there. eyeball it with a Dremel. Well, all this yeah. Kind of thing. No, see, that's what you do to your, your high point or your 870. So, <laughs> no, don't be eyeballing the sear on a $2,000 gun. You need to have it done professionally. So, I did polish it, but I, I was very uh, conservative in my polishing. And the spring helped, but it didn't do the best job in the world. Um, and when you change the main spring to a 13 pound, they say that it will only reliably um, fire rounds loaded with federal primers. Now, there is a solution to that, and it's the Titan Hammer. A Titan Hammer is an aftermarket hammer made by Tanfoglio, and it's lightweight. So with the 13 pound spring, you install the lightweight hammer and a lightweight firing pin spring, and then it'll go back to shooting all types of primers reliably. So I placed that order with Freedom Ventures today. 140 bucks for a hammer. Like a hammer, 140 bucks. Crazy. Really That's nice. crazy. That's too much. It's got like some color on it or some holes <laughs> or something. <laughs> fast holes. Uh, yeah, it's got speed holes for sure. <laughs> no, it's just, it's it's a better 
product than what's in the gun now and lightweight and blah 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 and it's got you know air grafell licked it so it's worth money right so um what uh yeah so that's that's the trigger job on the tanfobio started the springs in everything's polished waiting on a new hammer and another set of springs for a gun that i don't even shoot in competition but i just can't abide a bad trigger trevor just just before you go on here one of my buddies was looking at uh the the Shadow, the Shadow 2, and the uh, Stock 2 Extreme and the Stock 3 Extreme. Could you describe, like, you've, you've yep. what, shot all these guns, owned all these guns? Sh- shot them all, handled them all, owned some of them. I've owned, um, shot several Shadows, owned a Shadow for a short period of time. Um, shot Stock 2s, Stock 2 Extremes. I mean, because of SummerSlam and working the chronograph, if it's an Ipsic gun, I probably shot it. Well, so, can you can you tell yes. us uh, just a little bit about all all of those and and pros cons yep. that kind of thing? All right, let's stock. Let's start with the two ten folios. The stock two has a shorter sight radius than the stock three and a bull barrel. Besides that, they're identical. Stock three, long sight radius, a rail on the frame, and a non bull barrel. The way to go of all of these guns: the shadow, the shadow two, the stock two, the stock three. Definitely get the extremes, um, but the way to go is to order an Aust- an Australian length stock two extreme. Now, here's why you want the Australian length stock two. The stock the Australian length stock two has the same sight radius as the stock three. You don't have a rail, so it's easier for holsters, and you don't need a rail anyway on an Ipsit gun. And the weight is still there, longer sight radius, and the bull barrel. I like the stock three because of the longer sight radius. I don't like the fact that the stock three has a uh, non-bull barrel, but I opt for the longer sight radius and sacrifice the barrel. If you get an an Australian length stock two, you don't have to sacrifice sight radius and you get the bull barrel. It's available. You just ask for it, and that's the one they bring in for you. They may even have them in stock. Freedom Ventures is the distributor for uh, Tanfoglio, and that's the gun that Sean Hansen shoots, the Stock 2 Extreme Australian Length. So you get the long sight radius and the bull barrel. The uh, differences between the Shadow and the Shadow 2, they uh, a lot of it is ergonomics on the outside. Uh, the gun is a lot heavier than it used to be, which is awesome when you're shooting 9mm. But some production guys are saying it's almost too heavy and that it slows them down on transitions from one target to the other. Like, it's heavy. It's heavy. It's heavier than my stock two. It's heavier than my stock three. It's heavier than stock two. It's probably the heaviest production pistol being made right now. I don't know if there's a, uh, I don't, well, Matthew, you're an RO. I'm an RO. I've never heard anything about the weight of a pistol. I know in IDPA, there's a rule about how heavy your pistol can be. But in IPSC, there must not be because this thing is heavy. Um, a trigger out of the box on the stock two, um, no, sorry, on the shadow twos that I've handled are very similar to the stock three. They're heavy and they stack and they're creepy. This, it's not that this one creeps, but it, it stacks. There's a, a stacking to it. It really gets heavy at the end. So, you know, stacking is when you start pulling it and it gets heavier as it gets closer to breaking that's stacking. And my stock three does that. And the shadow two that I fired, um, did that as well uh they've improved they've added adjustable sights to the stock two which the stock one didn't have they've added um, changed the cocking serrations changed the looks really really nice looking pistol 
you, if you're going to get a shadow, get a shadow too, or go into the Tanfoglios. I prefer the Tanfoglios over the CZs, but remember the Tanfoglio is a clone of the CZ. So you're basically getting the same gun with slightly different ergonomics in the, in the Tanfoglio line. And it's more expensive, right? Uh, the Tanfoglios? Yeah. Probably the extreme guns are, uh, over $2,000 or the shadows are not that much. Yeah. They're like 12, 1300, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. So if, yeah, Yeah, no problem. The other thing that I did this week was yesterday, my Mossberg 930 JM pro tactical class arrived and I liked it better before it was mine. I've seen this gun before at the range. I've shot this gun. Um, he had an AFG under the forend and a rail on it. Don't remember him having an optic, but there was a rail on it when I got it. And it has a Mesa tactical pistol grip stock. It came with the original furniture. It came with an Osprey ordnance follower, which is awesome. Um, but one thing I didn't realize about the JM pro it's a 22 inch barrel. It's, heavy my versamax has a 26 inch barrel and is easily two to three pounds lighter than this shotgun the only shotgun oh. i have in the house, yeah man i'm telling you it's it's that significant adriel i will get them on the scale and for the listeners that are curious i'll throw it out there next week or post it on facebook or something but it, i quick can't get over how heavy it is compared to my versamax and it could be the additional weight of the mesa tactical um, pistol grip stock because it's quite beefy and chunky and it's got a, a an adjustable comb on it. Um, but with this stock, the stock is quite short. With this stock and this being a 22-inch gun, it is a nice, compact, little semi-automatic package. Uh, I hope it runs well. I mean, I, I, I shot it before and it didn't have any problems. The gun is basically new. Like, there's not a mark on it. I know Charlie took good care of his stuff and... Um, he he didn't shoot in a, like he wasn't in a competition like we are. He may have shot a three gun. I'm not sure or what's going to. Anyway, the gun's in excellent condition. I got a really good price on it, and uh, I'm happy with it. But I'm not falling in love with it like I thought I would. It's like when he opened up his his case and he had his pistol and his AR and and this shotgun in there. It just seems so much cooler than my Versamax. And now that I have it, I'm like, oh yeah, the trigger is only kind of okay and. The action is, well, it's certainly not as smooth as my Remington, but uh, the bolt release isn't threaded, and the, uh, it's a three-inch chamber, so I can't get a lot of ammo in it. Um, ghost loading is a nightmare. Oh, my goodness. It's so much easier to load a three-and-a-half-inch, to do a ghost load with a three-and-a-half-inch gun. Yeah, a lot more room. Oh, man, you pull the charging handle back and to try and... Um, do the ghost load and oh, there goes the extra shell out of the tube. Hmm. Now, what is the, um, what is the control on a semi-automatic shotgun near the trigger guard that you depress that allows a shell to come out under the lifter or to help you lock the, the bolt back? Like, um, is there a name for that? Uh, the, the shell bolt. releaser bolt hold open thingamabobber. That one, yeah. <laughs> it's it's certainly not the bolt release. You know, when your bolt is cycling back and forth and not locking back, you you hit this button, you pull the bolt back, and it locks it open. The ver- the um, Mossberg doesn't have that. It does everything on what? the bolt release. Yeah. 
if you want to uh, let a shell come out of the tube, you hit the bolt release button. If you want to release the bolt, you hit the bolt release button. The one button does both things. It's kind of awkward. I'm not used to that yet. The other issue I have is um, a pistol grip stock on a Mossberg shotgun is always a pain in the butt because of where the safety is located. So, yeah, I'm almost positive I'm taking off the pistol grip stock. Okay. Yep. I'd so, agree with that. I, I would. I'm, I'm of the same opinion that the Tang safety just does not facilitate good uh, pistol grip usage. Just you got to really break your grip to get up there to to manipulate it, and it's just not a good position. It's that Matthew, and I just don't love a pistol grip on a shotgun. And neither do I. I thought I did. I used to Me did. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know all of yeah, I used to did all of my shotguns before I don't know. Anyway, a while ago. I don't want to age myself. I actually, I don't care. I just can't remember how far along, how far <laughs> back it was. But uh, yeah, all of my shotguns used to have pistol grips, and then one day I was like. Why am I doing this? It just, it feels better when you have a straight, like a regular stock. It shoots better. It points better. Everything's better. I guess it's just personal preference, but for me, I, I, I like a regular stock that over a pistol well, grip. Yeah, and reloading in three gun, that pistol grip gets in the way. If you're going to do a, a yeah. weak hand, it jams up uh, on your on your side. And if you're going to do strong hand, uh, it's, it's mostly out of the way, but I mean, it's not it's not helping you. No. And I mean, I was thinking about replacing my Versamax with this for a three gun. I mean, Jerry uses it, right? So it's got to be awesome. <laughs> but I'm losing one round and I can't imagine an RO not wanting to stab me in the neck while waiting for me to figure out how to ghost load this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the one round, like if, if you're uh, load twos and, and quad loading it, the one round doesn't do a lot for you because it's a, it's a, it's an odd number to go from six to seven, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, you're you're not lo- you're you're um, feeding them in one at a time, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I guess you could use that extra round if you had a three a three and a half inch uh, chambered shotgun. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely more of a tactical shotgun. So it's yeah. Kind of, it's 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 very reminds me of a duty firearm, not a gaming firearm. If that you makes get sense. those uh, get those loaders that you push in. That Jerry uses the yeah. uh, the quiver on the side that's got like the the five round uh, uh, pusher kind of thing. Mm. I don't know what to call it, and then get that shoot that uh, that goes on it. I know someone who's selling one of those for a Mossberg nine thirty. You want to get really? into that deal? Yeah, man. When they work, man, they work great. Oh, he's like grease lightning on the uh, on the course running those things because it's it's fast. But there's no like there's no topping up. You no, you it's shoot, all or nothing. Yeah, you load up and you keep going. Yep, yeah. So yeah, right now because the action on my Remington is smoother, the trigger is better. Uh, it holds one more round. Go with it. Yeah, it's going to keep the Remington as as the three gun shotgun. And keep the Mossberg just because it's cool. <laughs> I mean, it is cool. Like, I've got both. And I, I don't know if it's OCD, but it's like, I've got a Remington pump, and I've got a Mossberg pump. i got a Remington semi, and no Mossberg semi. Uh, 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 you know, this didn't work that's, for me. That's the OCD speaking. It must be. So, <laughs> yeah. But, like, if I was going to go take a shotgun class, I'd probably take the Mossberg. Like a tactical shot, not like a three gun like gaming kind of class. Right, like a like a yeah, like the Magpul shotgun class kind of mm-hmm. thing. And talk about manipulations and malfunctions and reloading and all that good stuff. 
So, yeah. and it came with the, you know, it's got the Accu choke system and it came with a bunch of chokes and everything that it comes with from the factory. He sent along as well as, uh, some extra, some extra goodies, except for the screws that go into the receiver. When you remove the rail, I got to contact him and see if he has those kicking around somewhere. Cause I took the rail off cause there's no optic. And you're kind of looking through the groove in the rail. It was mm-hmm. a little bit awkward. And um, so I took that off. But then I don't have the original like factory receiver plug screws, I guess you would call them. They might be rubber. If he, They might be screws. They might be rubber. I've seen a couple of uh, oh, yeah. tapped shotguns that use like rubber little things mm-hmm. on the top. Interesting. Cool. All right. That's it for me. What about you, Adriel? What have you been, uh, what have you been doing? Oh, way more than you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but don't forget, no. I've been off for four weeks, so. Yeah. No, I got uh, uh, listener Chad. Uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, comboing guns, like sticking guns together. Oh, so yeah. to do that, you need a, a, a something that clamps together two Picatinny rails. You just and, mean like a master uh, key, right? Just like stick one shotgun underneath one rifle, that kind of deal? Well, I mean, yes, you can use it for that. And you can use it for more. Like he, he took it to the to logical extreme and did a five in one gun that was uh, fifty plus pounds. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to probably just do a three three in one gun and uh, and maybe like long term run uh, master key kind of a kind of a setup on a rifle. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'm just using it for messing around. So uh, I just got those in today, and I'm probably going to do a video uh, showing like a three in one gun because I think it'd be funny. I just I hope somebody takes, yeah, I think he should too, Kelly. And I also think somebody should take a screenshot of him for a, uh, a quiz. Derp. Derp. <laughs> I'll make sure to do the, 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 the funny face for it too. It'll, it comes naturally. <laughs> yeah. That's about all I did. Uh, Kelly, what about you? I spent the weekend in London, Ontario. I went and saw Rick Woods. Uh, he put on an active killer defense, um, session course course yeah course on sunday and so we went down on saturday both kevin and i went and uh we had some fun we went over to rick's place on saturday night with brian boulevard and had dinner there and then on sunday we went to the course it was really really cool if any if you guys ever get a chance to take it take it because it was it was pretty awesome uh rick actually he facilitated the course and talked about why people should have, um, uh, you know, an active killer defense course. There was, it was, okay, let me go back a little bit. So there was about uh, 13, 14 people there. There was a nice mix of uh, teachers. So we had a, a group of teachers, which was awesome. They were really cool ladies. Um, we had some people there that uh, studied martial arts before, and then you had the gunnies in the back, and the gunnies were were me, Brian, Kevin, and then there was also a guy named Matt. Now, Matt won the prize to go to the active killer defense at the uh, frac uh, cancer shoot. He won it, and he had a friend that was coming with him, but at the last minute, the friend wasn't able to come as well. So, about 13 people, 14 people came, so it was, it was quite quite cool. We spent the whole entire day um, doing things like, um, well, basically disarming um an active killer, whether it's uh, somebody that was there with a pistol. These were all mock things as well. Pistols, um, long guns, knives, uh, and that. And uh, there was also a guy named Chris, uh, Chris McCaskill. He instructed us, and this man, holy crap, 
Uh, he he's uh, probably about a couple inches shorter than I am, but he is built like you wouldn't believe. And he led us through this um, course, and uh, yeah, he was incredibly incredibly good. He was great at talking to the teachers. He was great at talking to the people who are experienced with guns and and that as well. Um, uh, one of the things that I really liked about it was the fact that Rick uh, brought it down to simple terms and simple levels for people who needed it and Chris actually changed the style of teaching as well because he's he's a three degree, uh, he has three black belts and, and all that but he he changed it so that, um, like, people who didn't have any uh, instruction on self-defense, um, we were able to to get a lot out of the program and that as well. So we spent uh, time. It was really fun. One of the reasons why it was really fun was I got to beat up on Brian and I got to beat up on, on Kevin as well. But they paired off after a while. And then I uh, generally paired up with this guy named James, who's one of the... Uh, uh, instructors as well, as well as uh, Matt, the guy from the the shoot, the charity shoot as well. So we got to beat on each other. Uh, I uh, actually gave Matt a nice elbow to the head um, and that. So, but you know, uh, anyways, that's what we were there for. We were there to actually treat it like we were we were actively. Um, defending ourselves in that too but nobody was getting hurt because we stopped ourselves before we got to that point too it was one of the really cool things that I I, I liked was the fact that I got to see people like the ladies for example they went from being quite meek and you know and apologizing for for you know jumping on somebody to actually at the end of it ready to take somebody down and 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 that so and the other thing that was really good is they learned about guns too we there was a bit of the course about what different types of guns were and all that and one of the ladies she actually said nobody should own guns and what then, yeah and so we talked about it a little bit and then we showed her what a long gun was uh, or rick did he had he had slides and uh and that and she goes well that looks like my dad's my dad's hunting rifle and then he flipped over to a carbine rifle and he said, and this is the same caliber. And this is what's in a police officer's um, uh, patrol car. And she goes, oh, okay. And then she's going, well, nobody should have that. And then he's going, well, people, and Brian piped up, well, people hunt with things like that too. Why are they hunting with things like that? And we flipped it back again and saying, this is the same caliber. And then we talked about the differences between semi-automatic and, and um, uh, bolt action as well as, uh, you know, uh, fully automatic and the differences as well. And we challenged the ideas of, of Hollywood. And these ladies learned a lot. They really, really did. And again, as I said, they're, by the end of it, they were confident. They were running through. We had a gauntlet at the end where we had to actually um, run through. We had to disarm um, we had to disarm somebody who had a pistol. We we went through a group of people, and it simulated um, pe basically people running out of a building, uh, so going against uh, the flow. Um, and then we came to somebody else where we had to actually uh, basically take them down with strikes. And then we came to the end of it where we were uh, taking somebody down with um, a, a rifle. And basically, 
yeah, it, it's we we ran through it, and these ladies were jumping on top of people. They were smashing people's heads, and well, not really smashing people's heads into the ground. Um, we simulated it, uh, but they also actually, um, and then we did trauma trauma at the end as well. So it was really really quite good. One of the things that I learned was that it doesn't matter how big you are, you can take down anybody as long as you know what you're doing uh, from the point of view of taking them off balance and and uh, and that. Um, I was probably uh, I'm probably the lightest person that was there. Like uh, like I'm around 140 pounds, and I was able to take down the biggest guy there, no problem whatsoever, and. Um, it's very nice if, uh, you know, if we weren't resisting really when, when we were disarming people. Uh, but, um, you know, I do know that we're going to have a little bit more resistance and that. But at the same time, we know what we're supposed to do. And we can feel confident in doing it as well. So it was really, really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, yeah. And one of the other things that we did is during lunch, I went to Bullseye and looked around there. I got some Aguila, and I paid a little bit too much for it, um, but we got some because they had it, whereas the other store I usually shop at didn't have it. And the other thing that I bought was I bought some new rings. Uh, I bought AR rings because uh, I got a new, to me, red dot. Brian Brian actually gave me a Vortex uh, Strike Force, I think it is. Yeah, Strike nice. Force. Yeah. So I have that for my AR. And I bought some rings to, to, to mount it. And, yeah. So, and the other thing that I've done, too, is uh, I'm on training right now. I was uh, there all day today, so I've updated my, my first aid. So, yeah. Not really much shooting, but lots of, you know, things about trauma and lots of things about talking to, talking to people about guns and disarming people. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Awesome. Have we ever had Rick on since he started teaching? I know that... We had Daniel and Daniel's partner on who kind of developed active killer defense. And um, we may have talked to Rick, maybe, and maybe. I can't, you know, me, brain. Since he started? Since he actually started teaching. I don't think we've spoken to him. I don't think since he started. I know that we talked about it prior to and also about him coming on. He came on prior to coming for the charity shoot as well. Okay. Yeah, but no. And I, the... Other thing that really hit home with me this week was the fact that this week, uh, two days ago, was the anniversary of the Montreal massacre, right? And if I, I was thinking when I was doing the course, if more people had the training and more people, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like calling it the Montreal massacre. I think yeah, that's I the media's name to try and really, really make sure that we, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, try and define massacre, but I think it makes it sound worse than it is. And that's not to take away from how horrific it was, but anyway, that just struck me funny. Massacre. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying if maybe if some people had been trained, but also absolutely, if absolutely, people were able to carry, but that's. Yeah. Well, no, that's the point of bringing up the anniversary that if we had, uh, access to programs like this back then and people believed in them and, and actually went out and took them, mm-hmm. things could have been very different. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that, but it was lots of fun. And as I said, I got to beat on some people and 
I got. Yeah, you're, you're downplaying. <laughs> you're downplaying that. But uh, after listening to Brian and Kevin talk about it on Modern Rifleman Radio, which they put out a show this week, um, yeah, you sound, uh, you sound, yeah, you're downplaying it. They, they described you as quite fierce and uh, vicious, um, <laughs> and just a little brutal. Um, so what I did was I walked away on, uh, on uh, the Sunday night. I had a swollen arm from, did you know where your wrist is? You have that wrist uh, bone there. Yeah. I'm aware, I'm aware of the location of my wrist. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, the wrist bone there. Anyways, we were doing hammer strikes and we had to do them. We did them repeatedly and we were just wailing, right? Or I was just wailing and we were doing, and, and it, so my wrist was blue to the point where it's actually right now it's just kind of like green mm-hmm. and it the re, the swelling has reduced and also we were doing um um we're also doing blows with our with our um elbows and i couldn't sleep a certain way for like two days afterwards three days <laughs> afterwards because my elbows and my wrists were so sore yeah anyways but that being said don't miss me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I, oh, and if you were listening to the show, they did talk about the fact that during we also had another. So we had the gauntlet at the very end, but we also had um, almost like I don't know what it was. We threw a couple of weapons in the middle of the the mat, and then everybody walked around, and it was kind of like musical chairs almost. It felt like musical chairs, and they were playing sounds in the background and all that, but. When you were told to, somebody would grab it, whoever was nearest to the weapon would grab it, and then another person would actually disarm that person. So we never knew if we were going to have a weapon or if we were going to be disarming or which weapon we had. And that. So at one point, I was disarming um, my friend James. I was disarming him, and he had a pistol. Anyway, so I had just finished disarming him, and I'd taken the pistol and all that, and I just shoved him with the pistol anyways and another guy came up behind me saying james i got you james i got you james i got you don't worry he was taking me down i was the good guy and he was helping out james the bad guy and which is funny when you think about it well but it's not funny but it's it's if, important that it happened exactly did in you light him up real, <laughs> in a real life situation <laughs> right that's yep. what happens sometimes people yep. don't know who the bad guy is and who the good guy is right yep. and we talked about that a little bit too about the fact that and you know what? If you do make a decision and pick up that gun, you are putting yourself also at risk as well. Because when the cops come in, you might be shoot. You might be be a victim of mm-hmm. uh, a good guy shot. Yeah. The other thing that I did, and I thought it was quite funny. It's not funny, but so when I ran the gauntlet, I disarmed the guy at first with a pistol, and I ran through the crowd, and I told, and I was quite forceful. I was telling people to get out of my way I said, and I was telling them to move I, and, and all that. And I came up to the guy that I was supposed to take out with some strikes. Anyways, I still had the pistol in my hand and I was going to shoot him, but I really wanted to hurt him. So I, <laughs> so I put down the pistol. And I so you knew the gun wasn't real. So instead of pointing and going pew pew, you pistol right. whipped him. No, I threw ah. the gun and I started wailing on him with my um, with my. <laughs> you need to get up close and personal. <laughs> yeah, don't throw the yeah. gun. Pistol whip him with the gun. I know exactly. Oh well, but good on yes. you though. I know the gun's not real, so I'm going to drop it and beat the snot out of him. Yeah, exactly. Wow, this was therapeutic for you, wasn't it, Kelly? It was good. Yeah, but I it was good that I never paired up with Kevin. I told him I can't pair up with you. 
I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Gonna be turned into some kind of weird foreplay or something. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's move on. That's a long story. Sorry, but it was <laughs> no, fun. That was, long, that was a long story. Long. That wasn't a short. A long story short. <laughs> it was like a, if, Trevor, a Trevor story. Pretty much. And <laughs> and if the listeners want to hear more about it, I definitely encourage them to listen to Kevin and uh, Brian on this week's episode of Modern Rifleman Radio because they go into quite a bit of detail, and yeah. and they yeah they also talk about how Kelly went uh, full Amazonian, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All yeah. the women did, by the way. You were, you were channeling your inner super or Wonder Woman for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Chris was beside me and he goes, holy crap. He goes, you are fierce, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And Brian, Brian, we had um, those heavy those heavy bags, you know, the ones that are for MMA, the ones all the way to the floor. Kick, stuff, yeah. kick bags, yeah. Well, Kevin was climbing his and uh, kneeing the guy or quote unquote guy. Uh yeah, and Brian, well, we weren't supposed to headbutt anybody, but it happened. So he he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was headbutting people. <laughs> anyway. uh, uh, it's awesome. It's, yeah, it's awesome for sure. All right, did you have an update about the calendar before we move on to upcoming events? Well, the calendar is still available. Go online to uh, Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights. If you go into the stores part, uh, it is now on the main page of that. And you can see previews of the people that are in the calendar if you're on the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights site. So there's some lovely ladies who are awesome. Um, and they're Canadian, and they are CCFR members uh, that are in this calendar, and that too. There's some pretty uh, incredible ladies, eh, Trevor? If by incredible you mean hot. Okay, but they're also <laughs> gunnies, and they're also... You know what? I showed this calendar this morning um, to my colleague, who is a female, uh, who is middle-aged, and who is a liberal, and not a gunny. But oh, um, here we go. No, no, I love this. <laughs> I love this woman. She makes going to work worthwhile. She's awesome. Um, but I wanted to see her impression. So I'm like, yeah. hey, look at this. So I didn't I didn't set her up. I didn't prime her. I didn't coach her. I just said, what do you think of this calendar? And at first she thought, oh, this is going to be a bunch of hussies with guns. Yep. And then and then as she's going through. And she's going, oh. Yeah. She said, well, there's only two that are like. And they're not even really, she said. She couldn't even get out the word. She wasn't. She was like looking for the right word. She they weren't provocative, you know. I mean, when you see like the Dylan calendar or the Dylan Blue Press catalog, uh, catalog that comes out, always has somebody in a bikini or something really racy, right? Yeah. So I told her. I said, "We want to." She said, "Well, why did you guys do this?" I said, "Well, you know, it's a fundraiser, and we want to highlight women in firearms in a positive manner and not show a bunch of hussies." And she's like. Well, yeah, I guess it does that. So, yeah, they're beautiful cool. women. They're class. It's a classy calendar, is it not? Yeah, very classy. Um, yeah. The the um, one of my favorites is the uh, the lady sitting down and she's like indexing a mag and ready to load a pistol. Well, yeah, that is intense, man. She's got a crazy look in her eye. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's Danielle. Danielle. Okay. Well, yeah, Danielle. She's a lovely lady. Yeah, very. I mean that that that's one of my favorite ones. The the subject matter, her, it all comes together very, very nicely. <laughs> I'm being professional. I didn't say she was a hottie or anything like that. Yeah, you just did. They're all hottie. This is what you said. Well, you were looking for a joke, so I gave you a joke, and then okay. I cleaned it up. Anyway, buy a calendar. All right. 
Are we ready to go on? Sure. I think they both fell asleep. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I dozed off a while ago. <laughs> All right. Well, Matthew, why don't you wake up and bring us the first upcoming event, please? What is the first upcoming event? Seventh Seven. annual. Yeah. The seventh Four. annual charity shoot? It's yeah. the one at the top of the list. Is Make that going on first. still? We're still doing that? We're still doing that, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I guess we're doing that. Seven years, apparently. Seventh annual uh, charity shoot. It's going to be Saturday, July 8th. uh, That's this coming summer at the Guelph Rod and Gun Club in Guelph, Ontario. The Canadian Patriot Podcast is this year's host, and the charity of choice is Many to One. So, yeah, you should come out. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, Adriel, you got the uh, next one, please. Next one is the Got Your Six Charity Shoot. It's the second annual Precision Rifle Competition. That'll be July 22nd to 23rd in Edson, Alberta. Funds raised will go to the War Horse Awareness Foundation. For more information, you can go to www.gotyoursixshoot.com. Cool. All right. And it's finally, finally, it's here. Time to talk about SummerSlam. This year's SummerSlam is SummerSlam 11. It'll be held at the Reshkush Gun Club in Balmoral. It is a level three IPSC match, which is a sanctioned match with the world body. That's what level three means. 16 stages, approximately 300 rounds. There will be 14 squads, 10 shooters per squad for, you know, that's still 140 even on this show. Um, (laughs) The schedule will be the regular registration night is going to take place on August 4th. The match will proper will be the 5th and 6th of August. Smoke on the Water will be doing the range food again, and they're going to step up their game. They're actually going to go around with a golf cart this year um, selling some pre-made sandwiches, um, but Gatorade. Somebody uh, They were just dropping off extra food at the end of day two that hadn't sold, and they were leaving, and somebody was like, I would skin a hobo and eat his soul for Gatorade right now. So with that in mind, they're coming back with a cooler full of Gatorades next year. To, so they're actually going to patrol the range and sell cold sports drinks. So that's kind of cool. And we might have them do the banquet if I get my way. Not that the other guy is not good in any way, but smoking the water's better. And we've been serving the same pork to people for years. Uh, might be time to change it up. The banquet will be uh, Saturday night, August 5th. And um, cost this year is $160, $150 if you pay through EMT. The registration opens on the 9th of um, January and will close approximately two weeks prior to the uh, beginning of the match. So stay tuned for that because, as always, it will sell out. I've already had uh, people contact me with squatting requests. Standard answer, I do what I can, but I make no promises. I had one guy try and send me money. I said, registration doesn't open until July or January 9th. If you send me money now, I'm going to assume it's for beer. And, uh, yeah, so people are, are already really chomping at the bit to get registered. Last year was one of the best that we've ever done, maybe the best. And, um, you know, it's it's it, and we had new people out who had never experienced SummerSlam before. So I think we should have no problem hopefully filling up this year's match again. So, news. Anybody, uh, do we have a news story from Jason Philp or not? Not doing it. If we're not doing it, why is it in the show notes? I'm confused by this. No, it's just make you read it on the show and get everybody confused. So, well, We didn't do it last week, that's why. Well, are we doing it this week? <laughs> I, I don't think you wanted to, so I don't think so. All right, maybe it was a time thing because we had a two-hour show last week. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. 
Probably. Right. Well, why don't you read it then? <laughs> well, right. Why are we talking about this? You Let's know, and I'm, I'm not editing this. You know that, right? Absolutely know that. Good. People in the meantime are screaming, just shut up and read it or move on. Well, what do you want? Do you want us to read it or move on? I, I'm opening it so I can read it. You no, just I, no, it. I was asking the listeners. <clears throat> oh, the listeners can't <laughs> hear you. Well, they oh. can hear you, but they can't. You can't hear them. Oh, Yell loud enough. Speak and up right. louder, listeners. Yell louder at your car stereo yeah. while in traffic. You don't look quite crazy enough. <laughs> Here we go, and this is from the CBC News, Calgary. I love it when we read CBC on this show. Teenage boy charged with accidental shooting his with accidentally shooting his sister. Woman was rushed to hospital in life-threatening condition, but later upgraded to serious. Uh, a teenage brother of a woman shot at a southeast residence on Saturday has been charged with numerous firearms offenses. Police say a 17-year-old boy was charged. Uh, sorry, police say the 17-year-old boy was under the in boy. Really, 17? Mm. Was under the influence of drugs and alcohol when he picked up a handgun that was unknowingly loaded and fired, hitting his sister. So much fail. Uh, emergency officials say that the woman was 25 years old, but police clarified on Monday she was 24. That's really important. The teen, who can't be named because our Youth Criminal Justice Act sucks, is charged with careless use of a firearm, pointing a firearm, unauthorized possession of a firearm, and knowing possession of a weapon with no registration certificate. Wow. Oh, so they he had threw. an illegal gun, basically. So criminal. No, cool, though. They criminal, threw everything at him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm okay with throwing everything at criminals and people who are dumb and mm-hmm. shoot their sisters. I mean... Yeah, I mean, if you got an unregistered gun, chances are he doesn't have a license. Uh, he wasn't stored properly. He, he's he's a bad guy, and yep. bad guys don't get proper training, and so they accidentally shoot people. So the moral of the story is, I don't know, I don't know what the moral don't sh- is. Don't shoot your sister. Don't own illegal guns. If you're a bad guy, get training. There you go. Hmm. That's a good one. Maybe if you got training, then you wouldn't be a bad guy anymore because you could legally own the gun. I heard he was just he was he was in the process of turning his life around. Yeah, they all path. are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's a dirtbag, <laughs> and I hope they throw the uh, book at him. Sure, because he was dumb playing with a gun. Well, yeah, I mean, the he's list playing with a gun. Yeah, unknowingly loaded. Well, treat all guns as loaded, but he didn't know that because he didn't have any training. So, yeah. it's too bad that the innocent sister. Well, we assume she's innocent. We assume for the purposes of the story that she's innocent. Got Correct. In the process, yeah. but uh, yeah, still. It's Are terrible. we changing their names to protect the innocent? Sorry. Did we, no, they're not innocent. <laughs> if CBC can publish it, we can certainly publish it. You're supposed to just go. All right. Well, All right. sometimes your jokes are easier to, to go with than others. So, Ralph Goodale made this uh, an announcement on December 6th. Who wants to read Ralph Goodale's announcement? I think Angel right. wants to. All right. I don't even know what he did. I think uh, Ralph. I think uh, you know what. I think Adriel will take the next one, and Kelly will take this one because I think there this, we go. Kelly okay, put so this in. I right. put it in. So he put out a he put out a letter to the public safety uh, portfolio employees, uh, basically on December sixth, and he said uh, that. What he is going to be doing is, within my own mandate, Public Safety Canada is developing the detailed plan needed to deliver our um, commitments to increase gun safety and reduce gun violence. We will soon be assisted by a reconstituted 
Firearms Advisory Committee, including expertise from law enforcement, public health, women's groups, along with agriculture, hunting, and recreation. So just wanted to let, to let you know that uh, they are reconstituting the Firearms Advisory Committee. So hopefully they get some people on there that know what they're talking about. Well, but it's just good that we even have it. I mean, I know sometimes these things aren't stacked with all the best people. Mm-hmm. They have to have the um, illusion of equality and, and balance. So they get victims' rights advocates on there. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what they, how they advise about firearm policy when their expertise is victims' rights, but that people like that do end up on there. Um, I just, I'm glad we have them. You know, we have one here in New Brunswick and not every province does. And the Firearms Advisory Committee here in the province of New Brunswick saved us from getting shrouding. We had a militant um, CFO who was, well, militant, and he was out to get shrouding. And it was because of the work done by the Firearms Advisory Committee that we didn't have to shroud our steel, which, I mean, we're fortunate in, in Nova Scotia. They don't have one of these advisory committees that I'm aware of. The CFO is an IPSC shooter. He's a really good guy. Um, every dealing I've had with him was, was good, positive, professional. I've shot with him. I've been RO'd by him. I've RO'd him. Um, and they have shrouding. So here's a guy who shoots the sport, could take away the shrouding, but they still have shrouding. We don't have anything. Quebec's not allowed to have steel at all. Ontario's shrouding has to be like attached to the berm. So we got really lucky and it's just because of this firearms advisory committee that we were able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice to have balance though, right? Oh, of course. Well, I mean, yeah. it should be made up of People firearms would, experts, yeah. industry experts, you know, uh, anyway. Yeah. Adriel, what is this IWI X95 thing? Yeah. It's like uh Tavor, but uh, the next generation, I guess. Uh, so this is, this is IWI's uh, newer rifle. Uh, just like the Tavor, except it's got a, a better trigger from the factory, which is really good because um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to shoot a, a factory Tavor, but the trigger is uh, garbage. Better, better than the T97. <laughs> uh, are you sure? Yes, no. I'm sure. Yes, I'm no. positive. Yes. No. I own the T97, and I've shot Tavors with and without Geisleys. Mm, I disagree, but that's okay. You're allowed um, to be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the X95 apparently has a much better trigger from the factory. Uh, it weighs a little bit less. Uh, it's got the mag release next to the trigger, so it doesn't have it uh, kind of towards back there. A little bit slimmed down. And uh, the ones that we're getting up here in Canada are apparently going to have an integral quad rail. So they've got a version that they that they make in uh, Israel. They've got a, ma- a version that they make in the U.S. Uh, the U.S. one, I think it's got a slightly longer... Uh, uh, but on it compared to the the one from Israel, but uh, I think we're getting the U.S. ones in. Uh, they're likely going to bring them in with 18 and a half inch barrels, so they'll be non restricted, and they're right around the twenty five hundred dollar mark. Well, twenty six forty right now at Wild West, but is this? Yeah, that's Wild West in Calgary. No, They've, Edmonton. Edmonton, my bad. Yeah. Seven eight zero. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're at twenty 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 six forty plus tax. Uh, but uh, the t- model shown is 16.5. The actual rifle is 18.6, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm seeing a little bit of a, a better handguard, and the rail looks lower, which would address Matthew's concern of that height over bore that's usually worse on a bullpup, and then even worse by adding rails on top of the bullpups. 
Mm-hmm. i tell you what I wish they would address, though, is the rear end of this rifle looks like they just ran out of steam one Friday afternoon while drawing and designing it. <laughs> went, okay, let's just make it square. Let's go home. We made it to the to the mag. We're good. All right. Now the rest of it's a chunk of plastic. I mean, am I, are you guys with me? Like the the only problem with the Devore is how it looks past the mag to the buttstock. Yeah, and I think if you were to if you were to look at a not the U.S. version, but they've got a different version out there, and I, I'm pretty sure it looks better on the back. It's still square. It's still yeah. like blocky, but yeah, better than before. Still doesn't make mean good. No, it's still blocky. Yeah. But what else yeah. are you going to do? It's 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 going up against your shoulder anyways, right? Yeah, I know. But some of us like how our firearms look as well as how they perform. Yeah. I like my guns to look good. I mean, look, the T97 has a much better ergon- or much better aesthetics and lines past the ejection port and past the, the stock or past the, the magazine. Uh, they, they cut that. They cut a whole chunk out there. To give some um, to give some clear definition of where the stock begins and the receiver ends. It's got yeah. a little, yeah, it's got the cutter. Yeah, and it's well, ooh, uh, so they also have the uh, they've got a T ninety seven with the flat top upper out the door for seventeen twenty four. That's a bit pricey because you used to get your T ninety seven for a thousand and your flat top upper for three, and now wow. you can get the T ninety sevens for. <clears throat> right around eight, eight fifty, somewhere around there, and then you're still getting the flat top upper for three. So why am I going to pay Wild West seventeen twenty five? Because this is the new one. No, this isn't the new one. Oh, because this is uh, I don't know Desert Tan. Ah, there you go. Totally and that's loading on it or something. Yeah, right. Anyway. Krylon. Exactly. Krylon the heck out of it. <laughs> so. All right. So there's a new Tavor, better trigger, still but ugly. Still a bull pup. It's hard. Still. So it's new, but ugly, or it's but <laughs> ugly. New, but it's ugly. <laughs> Fantastic. Who's got the GSD 15s? Is that you too, Adriel? Yeah, I threw that in there. Um, that's. Uh, it's just like well, Matthew, you played around with one of those ISSC 22s, right? Yep. It was fresh. This the is Glock wannabe. No, no, no the, um, the Scar lookalike. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so, Fred, Fred lent me his. That was another one of my Lent Rifle YouTube channels, or YouTube videos. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. this is a similar idea. I think it's it's running off the same... Like, I I, I haven't read too much into it. Um, I know that the Anschutz version ran a different uh, barrel and a different trigger. Uh, I'm not sure what differences they've got on the GSG, but uh, it's it looks like it's the same platform. It's got a different buttstock on it, uh, some and different iron sights. All. Very, very cosmetic-y things. I mean, your magazine release is in the same spot. Your safety is in the same spot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure what's uh, what's different on it. But, hey, those are in Canada now. Cool. Mm. New guns are always fun. Yeah. yeah. New new, new 22 that looks like an assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Western awesome. metal. 500 bucks. 499.99. I think those are really just geared towards the... Call of Duty players, aren't they? I just—they are a step above airsoft, Matthew. It, look, look, I have nothing against it. As I want to make that clear, but personally, I don't see the point of modeling a 22 after an assault rifle or 
assault rifle lookalike thing. Just well, personally, what if, what if you wanted to? Uh, what if you wanted to get some reps in on transitions and usage, and you wanted to shoot the cheapest ammo possible? I guess I you could suppose. run it. Yeah, you could run so, a, a twenty-two what bolt. But you can buy a lot of ammo for the for the cost of a new twenty-two rifle. Yeah, and you might be better off shooting two to three. It's not very expensive, mm. and you're better off training with the proper recoil. Well, Personally, could we, could we see me owning this before owning a seven ninety five? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, it all depends on on your style of firearm and and what That's appeals true. to you. Like you That's know, I, I I bought the Remington five nine seven VTR because everything has to have black rails on it and everything has to have cheese grater and pistol grips and so I mean I wouldn't buy one Matthew but I'm the kind of guy that would buy one right <laughs> if, makes yeah sense. if you were gonna buy one this is the one you would buy but you're not gonna buy one because you wouldn't buy one but if you would and you were and you did then it would Let's what I would it. what Could. I would actually do is is get the Ruger 1022 version of this. Or put the Ruger 1022 in the Troy chassis uh, because it's not plasticky, it's not cheap, it's not imitation. Like I tried this once. I bought your 1022 and I took yep. it out of your stock and I dropped it in the Archangel stock. And I was like, I just made a cheap looking gun like this. It, it was all mold, like there was a molded magazine release, like where it would be if it was real. And I'm like, that is so cheesy. It even came with a cheap plastic bayonet thing. I was like, I'm so over it. Sold the whole thing, got rid of it, um, and these kind of remind me of that. There's even the uh, the GSG. Um, what's the one that looks like the um, the German assault rifle from World War II? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. The storm. That, uh, I don't know. Looks like the 44 SDG 44. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, same thing. I mean, you know, it's it's almost like the Blaze 47. You take the the Mossberg Blaze 22 and you wrap it in a plastic shell. Yeah. I'd much rather take a proven platform like the 1022 and have steel and aluminum on it. Like my my Remington 597. 597 is hit and miss. I got a good one. All the parts on mine are real parts. Like there's a real AR handguard on there. There's a real AR buttstock, a real buffer tube, a real if you're if you're doing it stuff. if you're doing it for the reps and for the the practice and stuff though, why wouldn't you just go ahead and get a, a dedicated 22 AR? Like Smith and Wesson makes one, right? MP all plastic. Yeah, it's all no, MP The MP fifteen's all plastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's Junk. plastic. Hey. It, it's actually banned from uh, from uh, Appleseed for now. Yeah, right. What's the one I'm now. thinking of that is an actual like it works as like it's actually restricted because it'll take an AR five five six upper. Oh, well, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I didn't realize they were so. Same platform. It has the same. It, so it has the safety the same. It has. Oh, the I didn't realize the they were so yeah. uh, chintzy. I I didn't have. I, neither did I until I was at um, Steve Kosky's house during Mag Forty. He brought that thing out. And I was like, "What? The MMP twenty two is all plastic." Yep. And and uh, Bolivar had one. I think he got rid of it. No, he still has it. He still has his. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. No, I I'd rather. I use I'd it. Rather, it's I'd nice. rather get an AR and put a, a dedicated 22 upper on it like yeah. Filthy did. Yep, I think that's the way to one. go. Yeah. So, but then um, you are restricted to using it at the range. So there's that. There is that. But if you yeah. get a 1022 and you throw it, then in the you're okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. All right. Uh, shall we go on to our main topic? Sure. sure. 
All right. So are me. <laughs> We're only, so what, uh, you know, an hour into the show. We might as well get to the main topic. Do we want to do I, a main topic? We're an hour into the show already. Yeah. And we I still have it, a lot of listener feedback. Okay, go ahead. We? Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah I pissed I think it'll be short. I think we can rip it off in, in like 15 minutes. All right. Yeah. All right. So this is kind of a throwback Thursday kind of affair. Um, Adriel's idea. He thought. So if you don't like it, you can send hate mail to adrielmishow at gmail.com. I hope that's not really your email address, is it? It is. Oh, sweet. (laughs) This. Not supposed to give out our real addresses. I'm just kidding. It's not. That one actually redirects to me, which is mattmcclatchy at gmail.com. Right. I really don't care if I get feedback from people, so (laughs) fire away. That's all the time we have for our main topic. (laughs) Thanks for. So, uh, Adriel's idea was that we would do our origin stories, how we got to how we got to where we are in the world of Canadian gun culture. So, who would like to go first? I think ladies should go first. Myself, but so I know Adriel, Matthew, you're up there. Ah, ah. All right, Adriel. Yeah, Adriel. Sorry, Kelly. Adriel, it was your idea. Yeah. How did you become the gun gear guy or the uh, hunting gear guy? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been using. Uh, guns all my life. Like I, I remember, uh, I remember like when I was four and having a BB gun that uh, uh, that my parents gave me. So like I've been, uh, I've been doing it for a while. I remember having a pellet gun when I was six, uh, and and some of my fondest memories from from being a kid were uh, being out in the field shooting gophers, uh, and quite quite young as well. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where I started was was shooting gophers on my grandparents' farm, kind of a thing. Um, I mean, you guys had a chance to come out shoot gophers in in Alberta here. It's a it's a lot of fun, right? <laughs> it is a lot of fun. One of yeah. the best times of my life yep. until I got tired, hungry, and dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, over this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's more gophers, but they'll yeah. have to they'll have to wait till next year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of how I started off. Um, I went hunting deer when I was eleven, uh, and you know started doing that. Uh, I didn't really like uh, like my dad just had like a three hundred eight, a twelve gauge, and a twenty two, and that's it. And uh, oh wait, no, a thirty thirty as well. Uh, but like not a not a big gun guy at all. Um, just use them for hunting and uh, uh, you know for around the farm kind of stuff. Um, and then, oh, let's see, I guess a little bit after college, I had a little bit of spending money. So I, I bought a, I don't know, like a 303, an SKS, a 45. Um, and then I, uh, I sold all of them and moved to China. (laughs) So I had no guns, uh, came back to Canada, got a, a much better job, earned a lot more money and, uh, and therefore had some more spending money to, uh, to spend on guns, um, and uh, uh, I had just started a kind of a blog, just a, a personal one, like this AdrielMeshow.com thing. Don't go there; it's it's lame. But, uh, but <laughs> you know, wait, you wait, know, your yourself. people are going there now. <laughs> <laughs> I, so just just to set the table here, I use it for SEO testing. So there's a whole bunch of really weird articles on there that are just tests. That that's not how I really think. They're just fun tests for me. Uh, anyways, from from there. I thought, oh man, this is kind of good. I'm getting some traffic on some of this stuff. I should, uh, I should do a topic that I'm uh, uh, passionate about. 
and I'm passionate about uh, hunting, so I'll do it on on hunting and hunting gear. So I started doing a couple of articles. This was like I I, I had just like a crappy point and shoot camera. I wasn't a really good writer. Uh, yeah, English was was like my worst subject in uh, in high school. But just through sheer practice, I I don't know. I don't think my articles are anything fancy, but um, I'm I'm good at cracking them out now. And uh, uh, oh, just about three years ago, just got into doing YouTube. So added that little bit on with with some with some like with guns and that kind of thing. YouTube is a better platform. It's you you can actually see it. You can see how it's operated. You can see how it shoots. All that kind of stuff. You can't get that out of an article and and images, right? So. Uh, added that on and uh, yeah and then joined up with you guys uh, last year so it's just been kind of a, a slow burn on adding more and more on I've been uh, uh, doing three gun for uh, ooh, two I guess this is going into my third year uh, I've done a little bit of uh, service conditions rifle um, and I'm looking at doing some IPSC next year so uh, not really a lot of competitive shooting, uh, just a little bit on the three gun, and I'm looking to do a lot more uh, in pistol next year. So that's kind of where I got to where I am now. Who's up next? Well, yeah. now it's ladies first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> second. Kind. Wait, second. Yeah. Uh, so unlike Adriel, I did not grow up uh, shooting gophers in the face. I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I've always been around guns because uh, my dad was in the military and my brother he was a competitive shooter as well so um he always had guns around and my father was a collector and as i said we were in the military and we were overseas as well so on a regular basis i would uh see uh really really big guns and some you know automatic firearms and different things like that so i was never um, afraid of guns, but I was around them all the time, but I never actually was interested. I was interested in doing sports and different things like that. Um, my ex-husband took me out to the range uh, when we were dating, and I enjoyed it and that, but um, never really got into it then either. I would, you know, I shot his shotgun, pistol, rifle, and that as well, and I was actually a pretty good shot, so I... As I said, I enjoyed it, but I didn't. I didn't really get into it, um, and only until recently. Um, so my boyfriend uh, Kevin, who uh, you all know, he uh, he asked me if I wanted to go out to the range with him because uh, he was getting back into to to guns and uh, also in shooting and that. So he asked me if I wanted to go to the range, and I said sure. I went out with him and I said, this really sucks <laughs> because of the fact that it was wintertime and uh, really cold and uh, we were like 25 meters or 25, yeah, 25 meters from the target and we were using pistols and I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. So I wasn't really engaged in it and it was cold and that. So, um, but he persisted and he said, uh, you know what, there's going to be a, an apple seed down in old Michigan and a couple of, uh, months in March. Do you want to go? And I said, sure. I've never been to Michigan, so sure, why not? So we went down, and uh, again, it's winter. Um, we were supposed to practice. I was supposed to practice. Wasn't interested in, at all in going uh, to practicing. Um, so we went down to Michigan and uh, met a bunch of people that were really, really cool, enjoyed them, and um, met, met another female shooter, Stacy. 
And uh, I totally sucked at uh, shooting. I wasn't any good at it. But what I did notice was from the beginning of the weekend till the end of the weekend, uh, my shooting improved tremendously. And I made a I made a promise to myself that I was going to give it a try. But I also was going to um, become a rifleman because that's what I wanted. And when I have a goal and set my mind to it, I generally achieve it. So I decided to, when I was coming back in the car, ask Kevin if we could, you know, go to the range the next day. And he goes, you do know that we're going to get back at like five o'clock in the morning. And I said, okay, but we won't go. But we went the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend. Um, and uh, yeah, I started really enjoying shooting. I was uh, getting rifleman scores. And then I decided that, you know, maple seed, we tried out a maple seed. I missed uh, shooting rifleman by just a little bit. Um, the other thing that we decided to do was uh, because of all the cool people I met in Michigan, um, a a couple months later was the charity shoot in, in Rustigish and I went and I met Trevor and, and Matthew and everybody and I thought it, they were really cool too. Um, and that's where I did things like that's the first time I did Ipsic shooting. Well, to be fair, and, you didn't meet us for very long, right? That's why you thought we were cool. Little did you realize. Yeah. yeah here it is now. <laughs> Just how cool we really are. I mean, yeah. the other way. It was the other way. Well, what <laughs> I thought that you guys were really cool, and I got to know you a little bit more, and then I still thought you were really cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, and at that point, too, right, just right before then, um, a couple of uh, uh, other guys had asked if uh, I would like to start podcasting. I knew nothing about shooting whatsoever, obviously. I said, sure, hey, why not? And uh, that's why I went down to the podcaster shoot as well. And then, so I am a work in progress. I'm learning every day, obviously. Um, but I also am, you know, I'm shooting quite frequently now. And I'm shooting different types of things. I'm shooting, I got my, I, well, as you guys know, I got my, my rifle and patch, which was my goal. And some, I have some other goals now, too. One of my other goals for this year was to try and get more ladies into shooting. So... You know, doing the CCFR thing and trying to do the women's programming, uh, get that up and running. And, yeah, so, yeah, kind of like, I think Kevin regrets the fact that he asked if I wanted to go to Michigan. (laughs) 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 He doesn't kind of, he does regret uh, the fact that he asked if I wanted to go to Michigan because that's what it's all about now. It's pretty much like consumes my, when I'm not working. And when I am working, I'm around firearms then, too. So, anyways. It's a fun hobby. Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, So, uh, my origins go kind of like Adriel's. I've been around guns my entire life. There are guns on both sides of my family, my father's side, my mother's side. So, I grew up hunting with my father and seeing firearms at my uncle's places, my grandfather's places. And I shot my first squirrel when I was five years old. We actually had it taxidermied and mounted and it (laughs) sat in the living room on a bookshelf right up until I left for university. I wish I still knew where it was. I would put it up in the man cave. So yeah. Um, my father collected 22 rifles, Matthew. I don't know if I ever told you that, but the majority of the firearms in his collection were 22s. It makes and, sense that you wouldn't tell me, though. I mean, it's not like I really enjoy 22 rifles or anything. Well, so. like, well exactly, right? So um, uh, there's only really like two that stick out in my memory, uh, maybe three. 
Uh, no, actually, yeah, three. There was a tube-fed bolt action that I really enjoyed. There was a Remington, and when you and I started hanging out, I still had this Remington. It was uh, the same rifle was offered by a couple of different manufacturers. I don't know who actually built it, but Remington would put their name on it. CIL would put their name on it. I used to think this thing was the cat's meow. It had a detachable box magazine. Um, the trigger was atrocious. I didn't realize that until later on when I started to shoot other guns, but I had that gun restored. The magazine latch was broken and the local gunsmith here who restored it was able to get a replacement part. So, and an additional magazine. So I had a five round mag. Sorry, I believe they were called clips back then. And a a 10 pound mag. Yep. Yep. And I also had that Squires Bingham semi-automatic 22. This thing was like Squires Bingham, Tasco something. And it was uh, sold at at Kmart for sixty bucks back in the day. It had a kind of <laughs> cool Monte Carlo stock on it. It actually had a muzzle brake on it, very similar to like what would be on a Thompson machine gun. That was it. That was that's what made it cool. It was semi-auto, and it had a muzzle brake. So um, I had those two guns. Those guns were around as long as I can remember, along with my thirty thirty. And I had those two twenty twos up until. Shortly after I got serious about guns, I ended up selling them um, because they really weren't that good. <laughs> but I did keep, of course, the thirty thirty. So uh, I continued hunting through high school right up until um, – oh, sorry, back to the twenty twos. My father actually, along with all the other twenty twos he had, he had a twenty two handgun. It was a wreck. It was German-made. It was a wreck, single, all right. It was a wreck, yeah, yeah. His, <laughs> his in particular – it was a German-made single-action little six-shot revolver that my mother actually bought him in the like late 70s. And it was like $42 or something like that. I ended up buying one myself later on um, from one of the local one of the guys in the gun club, only it was the nickel version of it. And uh, kept it for a while because I thought of, you know, it was kind of nostalgic, but I let that go. Anyway, I always hunted, even in university, when I met people in university from, actually I met one guy from the Woodstock area uh, who was big into deer hunting, and he invited me to go along with him, so we would go to a camp outside of Woodstock to do deer hunting, so I was actually using uh, a SMLE Lee Enfield, which I would store on campus with campus security in their vault. So I used to bring a, a rifle onto campus when I was at the University of New Brunswick, and they uh, I was allowed to bring it on campus, but I could only store it with them. I, they wouldn't let me take it in the dormitory. Now I don't even know if you could do that. If you want to store probably a rifle not. on campus, they probably would, not. No, so, there's no way. I yeah. can see it. So then in uh, I was in university in 1995 when everything uh, changed, and that's when I got my, my firearms license, and my father at that time put a couple of the firearms in my name one of one or two of the two yeah those 222s ended up in my name a single shot bacale 20 gauge shotgun and my 3030 so i've had those going all the way back to uh to the 90s and still have the 3030 uh the 20 gauge is still at my father's house actually but yeah i sold off the 22s uh fast forward to 2010 36 years old, bought my first brand new rifle, my Thompson Center Venture Predator, which I still have. Uh, so, Chris Anderson, I know you're listening, and you're always making fun of me constantly selling guns. As you see, there are some guns that I have not sold. Um, I don't know what the motivation was. If I saw this, I think I saw it in a Cabela's catalog, 
And I liked it because of a synthetic stock and the entire rifle was camouflaged. It was, um, I forget which, which brand, real tree or whatever. Um, but the entire firearm, including the receiver and the barrel were camo dipped. And I think that's what sold me on it. I like had to have it and it was nowhere to be found in Canada. I checked everywhere, including the distributor and the distributor said, no, there are none of these rifles in Canada. And I found one in New Brunswick at the gun dealer. And I was quite concerned because people were taking regular Thompson Center Ventures and camo dipping the stock and calling them Predators. But the Predator had a shorter fluted barrel. Anyway, that was the, it was a legit one. I drove there in a snowstorm to pick up this rifle. I was in four-wheel drive doing 45 kilometers an hour on a four-lane highway. That's how bad it was. I passed three cars in the ditch on the way to get this rifle, but I was... I still get excited about getting new guns. Like, I might call in sick if I think that the uh, postman is going to bring me a new gun. I'll stay home so I don't miss the delivery. That's not true if my boss is listening. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I still get excited. But that was that was my first brand-new gun, and I was driving in a snowstorm. Nothing was going to stop me from getting that gun. It was quite an experience. I get off the highway, and I see the sign to McAdam. 50 kilometers. Like, seriously, i got to go 50 more kilometers than this? I didn't think I was going to make it, so... Then after having my, um, I met Officer Frank, and he's like, you need to check out this Ipsic thing. And he brought me to the end of SummerSlam 3, where I experienced my first action shooting. I shot a, oh man, I shot a 1911 that day. Chris Kingston's wife you has, still has, actually he's going to shoot it in Classic this year, a SDI Trojan, single stack, 9mm. And, and at this point, I had only shot Frank's service for a service pistol a couple of times and of course you know what the trigger is like on their guns and then she gave she gave me this little uh, 1911 with a five pound trigger and i couldn't get over how how different it was and how light it was so like the first ipsic gun i ever shot was a 1911 this is just occurring to me right now ladies and gentlemen i'm 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 having a moment here <laughs> god anyway um so seven years later I got my so I, I, I tried that out and I was gonna get into the handgun thing and, and Frank got me ready to get my firearms license and I, I went and challenged the restricted course. So here I had a possession only pal and a possession and acquisition R pal. Kind of an odd combination. So I thought, well this is unusual. I can buy an air fifteen and a Glock, but I can't buy a single shot shotgun. So then I went and challenged the non restricted test and uh, got my non restricted license as well. And then bought the uh, bought the rifle. I had the Arpal for seven years before I finally bought a handgun. And one of the first handguns I bought was a, a eight inch bright nickel Colt Python. I got it for four hundred dollars and I sold it for uh, over eleven hundred. That's a story for another day. When I joined the gun club, they immediately started pushing me towards Ipsic. It's like anybody who joins this club is an Ipsic shooter. That's what it was back then. It was really Salish and Chris were big, big pushers of Ipsic. And then this is where Matthew comes into my life, and this is where things really take off. This is, we take our black badge together in 2011, and we we hit it off immediately. I recognize him from his YouTube channel. Next thing you know, I've got a YouTube channel, and Matthew and I are going to the range, and it's we're doing all the dumb stuff that you see on YouTube now that we have since, thankfully, outgrown and matured. But we may have gotten ourselves in trouble at two different ranges at one time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Growing, growing pains. Um, so, I mean, I started a YouTube channel because of Matthew. It didn't last too long because then Matthew got me into podcasting. And here we are um, 
podcasting and the the charity shoot itself has been going on. This is the seventh year coming up, and I've been podcasting since sometime in 2011 or 2012. I was I was full time on the show when I went to Mag 40, so it was like episode 80 something when I got involved of uh, Canadian Reload Radio. Um, so I just wasn't going to do both, and so I let the uh, YouTube channel go and concentrated on podcasting. 2012, one of the highlights of my shooting, uh, my time in shooting was going to Mag 40 in Utah, meeting the gun dudes, met other amazing people, Tony Brown, the unnamed trucker. I thought Shaw was going to be there, but unfortunately he wasn't. Uh, but, uh, and a lot of those people I still talk with today. So just awesome. And then the evolution continued. Matthew and I went from getting in trouble on ranges to becoming range officers, to becoming IPSC range officers, to becoming black badge instructors, to becoming um, instructors. You know, we were now, Matthew and I are now developing our own shooting training program where we uh, we go out and we help you shoot your gun more gooder at the uh, Ferlacci Training Academy. Uh, more gooder. So That's our motto. That's right, man. You can do it. More gooder. More gooder. You can help. You should get t-shirts made. Yeah, we should. We could get, oh, there's some sayings, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, the, the my association with uh, the NFA, and then that all blew apart, and I was very fortunate to get uh, picked up by the CCFR, and that's been going strong. I've been working with them for, well, throughout the whole first year and went to the AGM, and We'll be at the next AGM, hopefully. The school schedule is going to be a little tight, but um, yeah. So that's 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 my, been my evolution to date. I don't see it stopping anytime soon, and that's a good thing. Um, I, I I made lifelong friends like you guys, Matthew, people in my club. Um, just yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, to the obsession continuing. <laughs> I've got a gun from 2010. Yep. Whoa. That's weird, eh? <laughs> like I've got guns that are a lot older than that, but I mean, I have a gun that I purchased in 2010 and still have it. Mm, I actually have a list, Adriel, that I can send you if you're that curious, of every gun I have bought and sold, from who, to who they went, in most cases, what I paid, what I sold it for, uh, since 2010. Mm. Yeah, I've, I think my my oldest one is 2013. That'll be, probably be my AR. Mm. Yep. Know that I have a sh- very short list of guns that I will never sell, and uh, that rifle is on there simply because it is the first brand new firearm that I ever purchased. So that means something to me. Like, and uh, and a little ashamed that I was on the planet for thirty six years before I walked into a store and bought a brand new gun. So, yep. So McClatchy, you've yeah. been at it a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my parents told me I wasn't allowed, and so I did. That's how mm-hmm. I got started, basically. Nice. Um, it, yeah, it, it, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I guess... Try the beginning. Um, I guess it would not, have been... Not sperm and egg. Not that beginning. You can 20-ish years ago, I guess. Maybe just over 20 years ago when we moved to New Brunswick. The family moved to New Brunswick, and uh, friends of ours uh, hunted regularly, and... Took me hunting for the first time. Well, that's actually not even true. I went hunting in Ontario before then, but not serious, I guess. Anyway, by the time I by the time twenty years ago rolled around, I was old enough to get my own hunting license, and uh, so I did, and it kind of started from there, and um, started off with single shot twenty twos, and worked my way up. Um, I don't 
It's it's just sort of your standard. It sounds a lot like Trevor's story, actually, except uh, I didn't grow up with guns around the house all the time. Uh, like I said, my parents were anti-gun and said no, I wasn't allowed. And so, the rebellion that I am, the re- the rebeller, the rebeller. Sure, yep. that's a word. So yeah, and uh, just kind of went from there, and and finally uh, they 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 swung around and saw the light and realized that oh well okay maybe guns aren't the problem maybe it's the bad guys and now they're both very pro gun. Dad owns firearms of his own. He has his firearms license, and my brother owns or owns firearms and has his license. So I sort of converted the family, and um, yeah, and like I said, same as Trevor. Just sort of when when I met him, I had just started putting gun videos up on YouTube. I did not know what I was doing. I was just kind of going to the range shooting guns, and I thought it was awesome and needed to share it with the world. So I went on camera and went on YouTube. So my earlier videos aren't really much to watch, but <laughs> I'll leave them up for nostalgic reasons. And, uh, yeah, just kind of went from there. I, I found that people were were watching my videos and enjoying them, and then uh, Steve Lee came along with his I Like Guns song, and that's what really kicked off my YouTube channel. I asked him for permission to use his song in one of my videos, and apparently I was the only person to have ever asked for permission, and so he gave me permission to use any of his content in any of my videos. Carte blanche. Pretty much, which is why we actually have that the the audio for the intro and outro of this show, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, and then from there, when his video was blowing up, mine blew up too, because because of his, I was sort of along for the ride, and I picked up a bunch of subscribers, and it went from there. So that's how my YouTube channel kind of came into being. And, uh, yeah, since then, you know, podcasting, hanging out with these guys, and uh, just kind of having a fun time. Awesome. Yep. Cool. Very good. So there you go, listeners. That's how we have uh, evolved, if you will. Yeah. Some of us more it, than others. Well, I mean, and we all started <laughs> off We all started off at zero, right? So. Yep. yep. Some, yeah, some of I mean, us evolve a little quicker than others. Trevor and I took a little while, but, you know, we, we came around eventually. <laughs> I, know. I still have gills behind my ears there, but uh, I'm, I'm catching up. Uh, you know, and some people stay in, have guns their whole life, and they don't get inundated into the gun culture that, like we have. Like, we are not just firearms owners. We are advocates. We are instructors we are competitors we are uh gun club executives right like it, it and it's certainly the uh, the the turning point for me really honest to god was joining the rescue gun club and meeting matthew meeting matthew is what's kind of pulled me into this world i could be just another guy at the rescue gun club who shoots a pistol on on saturday but meeting matthew that was the exposure to i didn't know what a podcast was before i met matthew uh, I knew there were YouTube gun channels, obviously, because I recognized them from that. But, And then the podcasting was then the introduction to the political thing and then the legal thing. And next thing you know, I'm carrying a gun in Utah. And it just, who knows what's to come? I mean, Shaving look at your all. legs. <laughs> and we're full circle. <laughs> That's the next part. Nice. <laughs> that is very meta of you. Yep. Well done. So... All right. Well, should we uh, start off with listener feedback? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think we should probably. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, because Matthew does the best Australian accent, I'm obviously, not doing an Australian accent. You have tonight. to. <laughs> uh, I'll try, but I promise nothing. And Rob B from Australia, I apologize. No, I don't. I can't even do it. I got a Listen, channel. I got a channel. My get Steve it, Lee. Get and it. I work can't. it. Just start thinking some Steve Lee thongs in your head a little bit. It will. It'll. It'll come on now. 
Good eye, slam fires, slam fires. <laughs> you got this. Own it. I I don't. Linked below is the lightest in the saga of the Adler Laver action shotgun. Thought would interest you guys and Kelly, seeing as you have discussed it in our laws a few times. Could be another excuse to get Steve Lee on again. And that's as far as I'm going with that. What? <laughs> the you whole... were awesome. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think Rob B. is going to write back going. and say, Matthew, you're fired. No, you Aww. can't stop now. Come on. Nuh-uh. Come on. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's talking about the Adler lever action shotguns. He says the whole thing is a waste of time. Yet again, putting more restrictions on us, the firearms owners, to be seen to be doing something and pandering to the Greens. Gun Control Australia, two women, one ex-communist, and a fax machine, and the and the loony left. The mainstream media are just as bad hyping up the situation, broadcasting what at best are lies, but more often complete bullcrap and deliberate omissions of key facts. That means that even though every single poll published in the last year on gun laws, etc., was at least 80% in favor of no change or relaxing the gun laws um, to the New Zealand or Canadian systems, they still managed to convince the public tighter restrictions on us, the most law-abiding section of society, are needed to lower gun crime rates committed by criminals who couldn't give a bleep about the law. Sorry for the rant, guys. Keep up the good work. Looking forward to the podcast every week now that I've caught up and don't listen daily. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and yours from Rob in Victoria, Australia. He says, P.S. Good night, Kelly. And he says, P.P.S. In the hope this gets in before the New Year cutoff, I'll give you two more random native animals appendages. This time, a brace of little penguin flippers' wings... Uh, that we, seeing as we have a colony of 70,000 of the little buggers with more rights than the human resident of Phillips Island, ranting again, not as if they even taste good, so I'm told, possum, <laughs> P-P-P-S, I'm Ron Burgundy, and brass prep like all reloading is therapy. Kind, kind of is. But when you do copious amounts of it, it sucks. Yeah, I can't just prep a hundred cases at a time. I have to try and do five or a thousand. Which is why I'm still trying to find some factory ammo for the par. <laughs> I'm like I'm like a savant. I really am. I just can't turn it off. Um, yeah, the, he there's a link to a YouTube video, and I think it's him. I'm not sure uh, explaining this in detail as well. So maybe we could throw that link up in the show notes for anyone yep. who is interested. What's a brace? Just it's wondering. a collection of. Like okay. a gaggle of geese, or a clutch of kittens, or a brace of little penguin flippers. Brace of little penguin flippers, or a yeah. bale. You know what group of animals is referred to as a bale? Foxes. Nope. Oh. Turtles. Tur- a bale of turtles, of course. Who comes up with this stuff? <laughs> I don't know, but there are like a murder of crows. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And what is a group of turkeys? It's something I else other. Than- it's not a ga- oh, it's a gaggle of geese. Uh, yeah. Turkeys is uh. I don't care. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> Here, Thanksgiving. All right, I'll take this one from Kyle because, because it's, it's short. short. <laughs> just for that, I'm gonna find the longest one and just butcher it. Butcher all it right. all to heck. From Jason Philp. Look how long that is. You did this yeah. to yourself, Kelly. Just remember that. All right, go ahead, Kelly. Read Kyle's because it's short. I was Just like your attention span. Pretty much. I was wondering if you guys have any experience. Are you kidding? Life. I'm not reading that long one. Sit down. <laughs> Kyle says, 
I was wondering if you guys have any experience and advice for moving from one province to another with restricted firearms. I plan on moving from Quebec to Alberta. That's a win right yeah, there. There you That's go. Stop. You've, done. you've done something you, good. You, you won. You won. When you get to Alberta, they will give you a gun. So yep. it's all good. Uh, so moving from Quebec to Alberta in the future, and I'd like to know how big of a headache I'm going to be putting myself through. Keep up the great work. Your show really takes the edge off my Montreal commute. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle, contact the CFO. They're going to want to know your your address, where you're going, and that's it, man. Yeah, it's they not challenging. I moved from Ontario to New Brunswick with restricted firearms, and it was just call them up. Where are you going? Going here. Okay. No okay. different than, no. yeah, like... You Even moving to your yep. province. Yeah, you get an ATT to, to transport it to your new residence, and then you're done. And, and some, uh, peop- yeah. some people don't even bother. They just pack all their stuff and go, it's my property, I'm taking it, I'm going. Yeah. And then, and then when they license, get there, they... <laughs> yeah, the problem happens is when you you join a gun club and your license doesn't match the address anymore or all that stuff, or yeah, just just a quick phone call to the CFO and they're going to want to know your new address. Yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. Very straightforward. People move all the time. Mm, cool. All right. Who's got Tom? Adriel, we haven't heard from you in a while. From Tom. Hey, guys. Just writing in to let you know just how shady the bearded one actually is. He showed me a picture of a Tika T3 varmint in 223 with a 1 and 8 twist. Said, I want to sell this here fine piece of kit. Know anyone that wants to buy it? Well, let's just say that he stole $1,200 of my hard-earned money. Can you believe that? What a creep. Anyways, Trevor, you need to keep your wallet in your front pocket when he's around. <laughs> Take care and shoot off the mag. Mr. Uzi. Nice. Yeah. Um, the, the bearded wonder he's referring to is uh, Jay Hines. He will soon be the clean-shaven wonder. This is a beautiful gun. He sent me a picture of it, too, and before I could even start talking price, Thomas bought it from out, out from underneath me. Aww. Yeah, nice heavy barrel, stainless, beautiful gun. One and eight. Somebody four. else that's selling a Tika. Just saying. What kind of Tika? Adriel. <laughs> I'm selling my thirty out six. <laughs> oh, wait, I got one. Oh, I, I, I shot a deer with it. It's it's no good to me anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it has blood on its hands. <laughs> All right, Matthew, would you take the one oh, from God. Sharp 97, please. Yeah, all right. Hey, guys, it's Sharp 97 here. After listening to you guys for three years, go on and on and on and on and on about Ipsic and other shooting events in general, I have decided to start a shooting league that will shoot on Sundays only. So here's my question. What will I need to do uh, this? What will I need to do this beside a range and shooters? What kind of safety, logistics, and organization issues should I keep in mind when starting out the new league? As always, thanks for the great advice. And Trevor, a little bit more archery would be nice. Matthew got away with talking about planes way too much this year. In case you guys reset (laughs) your collection, uh, I will wait for the new year to send in my odd knickknacks. Happy Hanukkah and Happy New Year. That reminds me. I shot bow like twice this week. I was bathers on Tuesday night, shot for three hours. And that's enough of that. All right. Shot for an hour today. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants to know about setting up a league. My first advice would be go with something that's pre-existing and that way you'll already have an established set of rules Yep. and you can get arrows trained according to a particular standard. Adriel will tell you when you start running um, uh, Outlaw 3-Gun League 
you're making it up a little bit as you go sometimes, and your ROs are. Sometimes hey, you're, it's you're really. Sometimes it's really nice to have a rule book to fall back on, because and, you will come across a situation that you're going to need to make a rule on. And if you're like, "Well, I don't think it should be this. It should be that," they're going to say, "Yeah, well, I think it should be this." When you have stops. a rule book, you can say, "Well, this is the rule." So either either become an IPSC club or an IDPA club or a PPC club. Do that in the beginning. Because it's all plug and play and ready to go, and it all exists. Yep. And then you can change things as you go. Like, let's say next year we want to have Ipsic style matches. Well, we can't because we have all the Ipsic gear and the Ipsic guns. But we decide we don't like Ipsic anymore, and we don't want to follow their rules. And we want to use Texas Stars when we're not allowed, or plate racks when we're not allowed. Well, we'll do that because we'll still follow the template that already exists. Yep. Now, are there any? Uh, are there any like? Simpler, easier shooting styles to get into. I, I feel like like a, a steel challenge would be I easy to get into. I was going to say the same thing. Steel challenge is relatively easy to get into, and it's very easy to score. It's easy to set up. There's well, aside if, as long as you're strong, it's easy to set up. There's no patching targets. All you need is a can of spray paint every now and then. Yeah, steel challenge. If you want to start off with something simple, that's how I. That's the way I'd go. Absolutely, you guys nailed it. There's nothing easier than steel challenge. You download the stage descriptions off the internet and build it accordingly. The yep. only challenge is you need to have some money in the bank to get all these steel props made. But again, yep. the materials list is online. The specifications are online. The dimensions, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's all there for you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Yep. Well, right. and those steel targets, they're not uh, they're not like poppers or anything that's got motion. No, no. They're just, they just plates ding. that you're... Yeah, yeah, they're just ding. That's they're it. They're just plates. <laughs> that they just depends, ding. Adriel. That depends. If your CFO requires them to fall over and your club does, then they fall over, guys. Oh, no, I there, there's such a thing? Hmm. Yes. Hmm. I didn't realize that that would be a mandated thing for steel. Mm, it depends. Sometimes it is. Anyway, whatever. It's still, it's still, that's the one I would look into first if I were you, mm-hmm. personally. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I would, I would definitely say go with, go with something that already exists. And then if you find that it's not exactly what you want, once you know how to run it, following the, its template, now you can tweak it and call it your own thing, like yeah. um, ODPL did with IDPA. Right. Um, yeah, so what kind of safety? Well, if you have the book, the safety will be in the book. The logistics, same thing. How to squad people, all that stuff. Um, don't try and reinvent the wheel would be my advice. And steel? Yeah, man, don't get much easier than that. No, and it's fun. Yeah, so excellent. Uh, if you have any specific questions that maybe we ad- didn't address, let us know. Uh, Kelly, how about you take this last one from Mr. Phil, please? How about no? <laughs> All right, from Jason Phil. Uh, it is with great joy in my heart that I sit down to pen you what I hope will become my annual Christmas Christmas missive to you and yours from us and ours. It's been an exciting annum for my family and me, and I hope that a future holds many blessings for you all your listeners, and especially you, the hosts, even Trevor. <laughs> it is cold here at the moment, and the snow finally came after a very long fall. It is the first time since I started hunting that I never shot pheasants over snow. We still have a couple of cold, windy days that made you appreciate the warm pheasant in the back of your vest. Really, you do that? Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. A little shout-out to Delano um, Civiteris. Own I think it. That's- 
Yeah, okay. nailed it. Cemeteris. Yep. I believe that's actually Delano from uh, the uh, University of Calgary Shooting Club. Anyways, hi Delano, uh, who tried to upland game hunting unlimited uh, out his first time. Well done, sir, with the 870 Express, no less. The reason for my writing really is to present you with my Christmas wish list. So here it is. Justin Trudeau to enter a WWE-style hair match, and the loser, the loser, there leaves town without their hair. Don't even care who with. Uh, <laughs> repeal of firearms laws in Canada. It's not that I don't think we need laws. It's just that I don't think the laws we have now fill their stated purpose. Next one is follow-up uh, match with the hair match. No, no holds barred uh, cage match between. Wendy Kukier uh, and uh, Tracy Wilson just to see if it's size or technique that matters. Can you imagine? Oh my god. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, and like Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, yeah. The next one is tickets for the CCFR AGM in Calgary and a hangover free experience for all gun owners. Uh, the next one is uh, quality firearms, safety education in schools. So he goes on to say uh, kindergarten to grade three, firearms awareness, uh, grade four to grade six, uh, firearm safety, grade seven to grade 10, firearms proficiency, grade 11 and 12, CCW training, MAG 40. And this would be a prerequisite for graduation. No one uh, makes you have a gun. No one makes you carry one. But you need to know uh, what they can do and can't do. Safety. Uh and then he goes on to say, the unnamed trucker to do quarterly appearances on Slamfire Radio to class up the joint. Hey, <laughs> not that Kelly hasn't done a great job, um, just needs some recipes. What kind of recipes does he want? Brownies nice. and pie. <laughs> Brownies and cookies. and Yeah. yeah. Pheasant bake. Mm. Shake and bake pheasant. Mm. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Shooting uh, to be recognized as Canada's safest sport for the widest Canadian demographic. This fall within Sports Canada's Sports for Life program. Oh, okay. Next one is Matt and Trevor to fly coast to coast and teach a black badge slash handgun course every place they stop for fuel. I think that's an awesome idea. <laughs> Should be done by the end of 2020 if they leave now. <laughs> Uh, and Trevor and Brian to hug it out and explain all the rules to the hang-up game. Uh, game. I think it would be a national thing. Then he says, I want a Glock to introduce a revolver line. It seems like the right thing to do. <laughs> and 40 caliber FN mags that fit FNS handguns. Perhaps press check could make this. What do you think? <laughs> no? Probably yeah. not. <laughs> mm. That's my list. I hope we all get what I want. Uh, Merry <laughs> Christmas, and I'll check in again when it's New Year's resolution time. I have some great um, resolutions for y'all. I'm afraid. I'm already afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. But, yeah, that's from Jason. Thank you. That was a good email. It hmm. was. There's I some agree. Good, job, good Kelly. Yeah, good, good <laughs> job. Good through it, too. Some yeah, good, well uh, good suggestions in there, too. Some of them. Yeah. I like how he was able to squeeze in his Christmas wish list before anybody else. Yep. We're not even doing the Christmas show, Jason. You're sly. He don't Very care. Good. No, he don't although, care. Although it's sort of on us because we could have decided to just hold it until the Christmas episode. But, you know, whatevs. Now, Kelly right. insisted on reading it, so it's on she Kelly. She certainly did. It is Kelly's yeah. fault. So. Newbies. What are you going to do? Yep. Yeah, I know. Mm. So if you would like to send us an email for us to butcher, you can do so by sending it to slamfireradio at gmail.com 
No iTunes reviews because Stacy was out getting drunk at a bowling alley, so maybe there are, maybe there aren't. We'll never know. I uh, she checked for us. I asked. Oh. But she was still. You know what? She was still you, drunk at a bowling alley. She said that her game was horrible, and I said, "Well, you try." Well, when you drink beer, it gets better usually. <laughs> Not with a blindfold. They made them blind. They blindfolded them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what kind of oh, bowling is this? Drunk American bowling, apparently. apparently. Drunk All American right. blindfolded office party bowling. This should be a sport. It should be a sport. See how many lanes you can make your ball cross over. I once got a strike two lanes over. Nice. It was well an done. accident. We would like another uh, five-star review, if that's at all possible. We're only at a lonely 144 so far. Uh, 100. Uh, I don't think this episode's making it one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, if you don't like the re- if you don't like this episode, email us. If you like it, rate it on iTunes. There you go. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, we appreciate the effort that each and every one of you put into this review and this five star rating because iTunes is a pain in the butt. And we know it's a pain in the butt. So we know what you went through to do this and we're very appreciative. One hundred and eleven to Paul Carlson, weren't you? No, it's just a fact. iTunes okay. sucks. That's why I That's, don't give more podcast five-star reviews because it's a pain in the butt to navigate and work through and log in and, oh, my God. It is. Anyway, so we got a bunch from all over the place. Any shout-outs, Kelly? You got a couple you want to Yep, go I ahead just wanted there? to say thanks, Brian, for my new Vortex uh, red dot. I appreciate it. And for Rick and Jess, thanks for hosting us. And for Rick, you really did make a difference, especially to a couple of teachers over the weekend. So that was awesome. Thank Cool. Uh, my first shout out is to uh, Tim Crosno. It's pronounced four hundred thirteen. Uh, <laughs> my my second shout out is to David Copping. David Copping is the Canadian rep for Grand Power. So Grand Power make all kinds of carry pistols and IPSC pistols, and they are coming out with a striker fired pistol. And David has one or is getting one, and he is going to send it to me to test and evaluate. Yeah. So uh, some of the longtime listeners may remember that David sent me his Excalibur uh, Grand Power pistol, which I really liked. And um, we had Remy, uh, Remy Doucet, Ipsic Canadian shooter, who uh, was the shooter for Grand Power, who shot the Excalibur. Uh, now it's Chris Babe shoot for Excalibur. So they, uh, they've got a strong foot in the door of Ipsic. And uh, they make a good production pistol, but they finally come up with a striker-fired pistol. And we all know Furlot likes his plastic striker-fired guns. So Dave's going to send me one out to test and evaluate for the show. So that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And to uh, my friends and family at the CCFR, the executive and the board of directors, you guys rock. Keep doing what you're doing. I much appreciate it. What's this next one here? Oh, that's mine. Uh, Yeah, Brian, just let me know. I've been using too much jargon and uh i don't realize it when i'm when i'm doing it but i realized i I think last episode i was talking about vtac and that kind of thing and we haven't really described what the heck one of those things are so uh well there's such a thing as google Uh, there is yeah this isn't new shooter canada so there will be yeah people should sort of yeah there's a prerequisite to to listening to this show people don't realize we don't have to explain everything. Oh, well, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain it for Brian. 
Uh, so, Brian, the uh, the VTAC is a, a piece of plywood that's got holes in it that you shoot through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see them. In, yeah. They're odd-looking things. You see them in videos and, yeah, we've Mostly never... Mostly in, what, well, three-gun and, like, tactical shooting and that kind of thing. Because it's good for simulating uh, shooting through a tight spot. And it, it has a, a variety of positions for it. So you you get really good practice. And you really quickly understand that bullpups don't work really good through those things because they've got that height over bore and, and they don't fit through uh, some of the slots. Yeah, I've never I've never worked with one. Neither have I. It's not a New Brunswick thing. Oh. Nope. Well, yeah, there's templates online. Uh, no, that's uh, fine. No, we're good. Buddy of mine, uh, <laughs> buddy of mine made one. Uh, Super uh, for your Chad, buddy. He's a listener of the show. He made one of those. And hey, he Chad. Got good for Chad. Good for you, Chad. You're a good guy. That was oh, like cool. you, Chad. Middle school shop class project, wasn't it, Chad? <laughs> okay, you know what? Pretty Stop much. insulting our listeners. <laughs> yeah, but it's Chad. I mean, it's Chad, Chad don't mind. Ch- Chad's cool. Chad's really cool. I really like Chad. I've just met the guy, but he seems like really nice. Hey, he makes VTACs. Well, I mean, pff, who doesn't? So obviously, Adriel, <laughs> we're not feeling the VTAC love. Um, <laughs> we have no cares. To unwashed give. IPSC shooters. That's right. <laughs> I, no cares to give for VTEX. <laughs> Let's move on to the Patreon supporters, shall we? The Patreonies. I think we should get them stickers that say, I'm a Patreoni with our logo on it. Mm. And maybe a Slamfire, they could buy the Slamfire Radio t-shirt that says, I'm a Patreoni and you're not. Maybe I was having Patreoni thoughts driving to work this morning when I should have been concentrating on the road. <laughs> Just, I'm always thinking about the Patreonies, you know, because they're awesome. Well, they and, are basically uh, the best. They are truly the best. Yeah. Even Bolivar. So, uh, we have a new one this week, do we not? Howard yeah. T. So, thank you, Howard T., for joining the uh, current Patreon supporters. Let's and just say look- he did not one-up Ryan Bolivar. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, we don't know if Howard has a sense of humor or not. So. I certainly hope he does. <laughs> Although, if he's listening to this show, I bet you he does. Yeah. Well, the, the other day, just before Bolivar hung up on me, the last thing he said was, you know, I can always adjust that figure. Yes. <laughs> and I have a yes. feeling he would only adjust it one way. Yeah, it'd yes. be down. <laughs> and we have had... about that on the weekend. I'm sure you have. And was yeah. he annoyed? Because if he was, that means we did our job. No, of course not. Huh. Oh, boring. I'll call him and hang up on him later. That's a good idea. He called me the other day. I can't remember what it was for, though. He was listening to the show, I think. He called me up just to make a point. That was it. He was done. It was just that one little quick thing. I was at at work, and he called me. Of course, I answered my phone when I saw who it was, but it was funny. It was nice hearing from him. He doesn't call me nearly enough. Brian, you should call me more. You just got to strike the right nerve. And if you strike the right nerve just right, it ends in a hang up. That's my goal. Really? Yeah. So to the Patreonies, we were supposed to put out a episode for you this week, and unfortunately, uh, our guest wasn't available. Really, it's us, but it's funnier this way. Yeah, we're definitely uh, blaming it on the guest. Definitely, it's totally the guest's fault. Yeah, so, it was totally yeah. Trevor's fault. Hey, the, it, it was my. Yeah, it was. I was, <laughs> <double> <laughs> I was just gonna say. Yeah. We're all available. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. So we're doing that um, Monday, right? We're yeah. doing it Monday because I got a okay. SummerSlam meeting on Tuesday. So, yeah, next week, Patreonies, you'll have your bonus content. Uh, he won't tell me what the topic is. I'm a little concerned about this. Yeah, we'll wing it like we normally do. Yeah. It'll be fine. So, All right, we're going to wrap this up, kids, and, and uh, send you all to bed. Um, please join one or more of our National Firearms Associations, such as the CCFR, 
and or the CSSA. It's important to support those who support us. You don't have to join them both, but you should join at least one. Um, check us out on the Gun Owners of Canada, the most positive gun owner forum for Canadians. Like us on Facebook, please. We only have 1,557, which is not uh, as much as the Reloading Podcast just saying. Boo. Okay. I am gonna... it, by the way. Good. Just you know. want a gold star or something? Take one from the list. We have 116 <laughs> thumbs up, 25 gold stars, because I just gave one to Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize these were like currency. We could like use them to pay people for things. <laughs> Uh, we have a brace of little penguin flippers. So I don't know how many is in a brace, but we have a brace of penguin flippers. Well, more than wings. three, because two would Not be a couple. Lunch. So <clears throat> that, Yeah, that would be awkward. Two flukes, four manatee flippers, two kangaroo thumbs, one safe space, an HK logo. We need a safety pin. Someone, please send us a safety pin. Please do and not. And then I can wear it so people know they're safe with me. Until I <laughs> stick in their eye because it's stupid. <laughs> one HK logo, two hobbit thumbs, five duck bills, two squirrels nuts, two honks, two 1911 triggers. <laughs> one Chewy. ace of spades, a cartridge in a pear tree, a pheasant in a pine tree. <sighs> That's it. That's all I I've got. I've given you back your star. Oh, thanks. The star belongs to the show again. So, listeners, uh, just before we go, remember the Christmas show is coming up. We're not taking a break for Christmas or New Year's, apparently, because my co-hosts are just workaholics. And uh, when are we doing the Christmas show, guys? Before next week? Christmas. Uh, it'd be, the week, it'd be, no, the week after next week. Next so week is, yeah. The not, December not. 22nd show, December 23rd show, yes, will that be one. when we go through your Christmas wish list. So get them in. you got two more weeks to get in your Christmas wish list, everybody. Until then, this is Ron Burgundy saying, shoot Sate. Shoot Sate? Shoot Sate. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I, would really, I really wish you would edit because it would sound more like this. Okay. Until next do, week. Do it as if uh, you, I was editing. I was. And, and ready, cut, cut and nope. go. No, I, I'm over. <laughs> Action. Action. Good night, every- Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.